totally forgot what I was going to say, but we're not redoing it. We're going to we're going to press forward because it's the Geek Out Loud podcast. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, this thing that we're still not really sure what it is, but we're we're just wanting to have some fun, wanting to have a good time. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you as we uh, as we geek out, as we do all the things that, uh, you know, that, that we are here to do. And um, what are those things, you may say? Well, the first thing we want to do is thank those of you who support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We say thank you so much for all of your support. And uh, our featured supporter on this episode is Mark All. Mark can control a weird mix. He can control light to a certain extent. He can make it dark. He can alter the color of light around him and others. Or he can blind his foes with bright light. Bright light. Bright light. But he can also control water. Wow, this is like a whole gremlins thing. You can also feed him after midnight and he's okay. Uh, In a powerful way, he controls water. The smallest molecules of water can be detected and united by Mark to create a wave, a weapon, or whatever he needs the water to be. One of his favorite things to do is mount a wave of water that has been changed to a deep red by his light manipulation. He then attacks villainy upon a, you guessed it, crimson tide. Roll, tide. Uh, So that is Mark All, our... uh, featured supporter on uh, Geek Out Loud, or this episode, and we appreciate him. Patreon.com slash Geek Out Loud. Uh, also, if you're talk- since we're talking about Patreon really quickly, just want to let you know, uh, at, the record- at the time of this recording and at the time of your listening, over on Patreon, our second episode of Hot Tub Geek Machine has dropped. It's myself and Shaz Bazaar jumping in the hot tub, and uh, we had a great talk about Oh, everything from cosplay to the differences between Kenneth Johnson and Glenn Larson. And at the end of this episode, you're going to be hearing a very, very, very edited down version of that conversation to kind of give you a preview and an idea of what Hot Tub Geek Machine is all about. And if you want the full version, it's available over at Patreon, at the uh, Patreon Zoo Crew level of support. So, um... Also, uh, there was, uh, as of last episode, a new movies with Steve and Dave, and that was Superman 3. Uh, there's been some good feedback on that. We appreciate you guys uh, giving us that and, and tuning in, so, uh, so check that out if you're, if you're there. If you can't support us through Patreon, that's fine. We have Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Now, here's the thing. You may need to clear your cookies so that we get credit when you click through those links to go to Amazon. Um, and we need you to do that. Uh, it'd be a big, big help for us here at, here at Geek Out. As we're trying to get, maybe you can tell, we're trying to get the Geek Out Loud ball rolling a little bit, you know, a little bit harder, a little bit faster, a little bit moving on, moving on. And uh, and, and one of the easiest ways to, to support the shows is those are, are those Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. And when you do that, 
Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra. You know how those things work. They're just affiliate links that um, that we get a very small percentage back. But, you know, there was a time when those things were kicking, and so we'd like to get them kicking again. Uh, so help us out that way. Also, huge, huge, huge shout out and a big thank you so much to our remote producer and content provider, Jimmy in Georgia. Last time on the last episode, I put out a call for episodes two through 10 of Geek Out Loud. And uh, just today, uh, or yesterday, Jimmy, re at the time of this recording, uh, Jimmy reached out to me and said, hey, do you still need those? I said, of course I still need those. And uh, he sent them to me. Two and three have been restored to their proper uh, places on the internet, and the others should be restored by the time that everyone who listens to this, not live at mixer.com slash goaliverse, uh, gets this. So uh, so at that point, I think the full catalog of Geek Out Loud may be available. Uh, we'll see if there are any other missing episodes. If, if, if there's some of you who are going back and listening through the older stuff and you need to let me know there's some missing episodes, just holler at me, uh, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com and let me know and that way we can get those things restored and put back in their proper order. All of this still after the devastation of 2017 happening. Now, as you all know and as we have said, um, I was talking to someone and said I missed the Big Honkin' Show trying to figure out how to make Goal and Big Honkin' Show merge into one uh, Voltron-like force of, of, of podcasting so that we can talk the geek stuff and have the fun stuff and all that available and just trying to figure out how best to do that. For those of you who don't know, because there are a lot of you who tuned into Geek Out Loud who never really tuned into the Big Honkin' Show. We had a lot more subscribers to Geek Out Loud in the heyday than we did to the Big Honkin' Show. The Big Honkin' Show was... Uh, was a radio show that I was able to do down in South Georgia. It started as a radio show uh, on Saturday mornings with um, with my friend Buck. I brought Buck in because I needed that second person. Still need that second person, let's be honest. And uh, we had a great time in 2009 into 2010. The problem is, is we were being charged such an exorbitant amount of money to have an hour on a Saturday morning where we were bringing the station more listeners than they would ever get on a Saturday morning outside of a football game. Um, and, uh, and and we just couldn't keep it going. So uh, we stopped. We did it from the house a little bit, and it was kind of, you know, silent for a little while. Then um, I had the opportunity to go back into the, the radio world. And on Mondays through Fridays at 7 a.m. from 7 to 9, I was on the local... Hazelhurst radio station again doing the Big Honkin' Show. A lot different format. When you go back and listen to those old radio versions, it's a lot different. A lot of music. Of course, there's a lot of local news and a lot of local spots and that sort of thing that we're on. And a uh, lot more kind of, a lot, lot more to juggle, but it was just me and we had a great time. That's where the Twitter Zoo Crew was born that would morph into the Mixler Zoo Crew. And uh, there's a lot of concepts that we kind of stumbled into in that morning radio show, things like Florida people and Florida being a weird place and a lot of weird stuff, news coming out of Florida. The animal apocalypse was born out of that. Um, all kinds of things. Uh, why am I doing this? Why am I talking this way? What am I talking about? Well, uh, we stopped doing the Big Honkin' Show there because they weren't paying me anymore to do it. And uh, we tried to bring it to the internet. And, and, and there were there were several shows where we kind of, where I continued on 
and Derek, my, my podcasting partner for life, Derek Russell became a huge part of the big honking show for a few weeks. And then it just kind of again fizzled. And I started trying to do it and it became a nighttime thing. And we'd hang out at the night, different ages of the big honking show. Then when I moved to North Georgia, uh, Scott Rifen, the great Scott Rifen, Lord Scott Rifen, as we call him, uh, gave the Big Honkin' Show airtime on his radio station, of, of which he is the uh, program manager and all these other things. Um, and uh, we aired on Saturdays for, I think we went for two years. And and honestly, everything just got to be kind of a lot, especially on the tail end of the pandemic. Um, there was a lot of things that were going on in my own work and life and everything else. And it just kind of got to be where sitting down on a Friday afternoon wasn't quite cutting it and I just couldn't get things done the way I wanted to. And so we, uh, so I had to stop, I had to pull back a little bit. I didn't know I was going to, it just kind of happened. And, um, and so a big honking show kind of, you know, fizzled and, and went away, but I, I miss it. I miss the joy of the big honking show and the fun times that we used to have. And, uh, and so I, I thought, how can we bring that into, um, into, uh, into the, into the geek out loud. I love Matt Crowder, by the way, <laughs> uh, one, one quarter of the infamous Crowder boys says I w it was the age of having fun on a Saturday morning again, sleeping bags, pop tarts, Piggly Wiggly cakes on your birthday. That's right. You could win a birthday cake from Piggly Wiggly. That was the big prize. Now daily you won like McDonald's, uh, a, a gift card to McDonald's, but, but the, at the end of the week, there was the big drawing for uh the piggly wiggly cake and that was that was the big deal there so just trying to do all of that together i thought well let's do you know i've started kind of doing big honking show at the end and i thought this time let's do it at the beginning let's see where people and i know that there were some of you that that listened all the way into into the end and this is kind of how especially once we got going uh from from home this is how we would start the big honking show sometimes with this little ditty finger pointing gets us nowhere steve Grab your seat bags and your Pop-Tarts, because it's time for... No one could have seen that coming. Definitely his, his overall sense of humor, his demeanor, he just he has this amazing sense of uh, everything. You, you can't pinpoint it with Steve, because he's always he's this happy-go-lucky guy, and nothing gets him down. So that's how that, that was kind of how that was like the signal for oh it's starting now after we kind of do like a big pre-show and everything and um and then uh you would hear this it's the big honkin show on 1440 wgig now to be fair it wasn't it's not on 1440 wgig anymore this is the this is the last intro that was ever made for the big honkin show I like the Big Honkin' Show a lot. <laughs> and 
joins now the Big Honkin' Show with your host, Steve Glosson. And so then I would do, you know how I do the Geek Out Loud? I'm like, hey, we're doing this today on the Geek Out Loud. This is a Geek Out Loud podcast. I would come in on the Big Honkin' Show and be like, hey, welcome into the Big Honkin' Show. Steve Glosson, glad to be along with you. And we're going to have a good time today. We're putting aside the cares of the world, the troubles of this life, to focus in on the things that really matter, like jokes about planet names. Uranus, anybody? Uh, and animal news and all kinds of weird stuff that's going on. And maybe we'll celebrate a real-life superhero all on the Big Hawkins Show. Let's do it. Welcome in to the Big Honkin' Show segment of the Geek Out Loud podcast. So glad to have you along with us. Uh, so we've got a couple of stories today, all sent to us by our remote producer and content provider, Jimmy in Georgia, we're going to cover. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we discovered, as I've said, you know, doing the show um, is that there's some strange things. And I know, look, first of all, let's just say, hey, thoughts and prayers and everything with those who are affected by uh, the hurricane down in Florida recently, a lot of devastation taking place uh, a little bit south of Tampa and um, still some people without power and, and that sort of thing, I know. Uh, but I also know there are a lot of great uh, people going down, helping rebuild, a lot of great ministries and charities, you know, going in and and getting it done. And um, and so that's always a, an encouraging thing here. But there's no, it is no secret that when you get to Florida, um, things are a little bit, uh, a little bit stranger than, um, than other places we may find ourselves headed a lot of times. And, um, and so wait a minute, what's going on here? For some reason I'm not hearing. Oh, I see what's going on. One moment, please. There we go. Um, the thing about it is is there something about living in the land of Florida, the free state of Florida, that there's a certain contingency of people that just drives them crazy. And they end up being a little bit, uh, well, you know what? All you have to do is just Google Florida man and leave it at that, and you'll find out all the things going on. It's the Florida News.
All right. Full disclosure, my my uh, my prejudice is showing on this one because here is the uh, here is here's the headline from and this is a couple of months back. Uh, a drunk Floridian allegedly drove golf cart on highway with open bottle of whiskey. Now, first of all, let's talk about the sentence structure of that whole <laughs> the whole the whole headline. Drunk Floridian, Floridian, easy for me to say, allegedly drove a golf cart on a highway. So first of all, maybe it happened. We're reporting that it allegedly happened. We don't want to give anyone the, you know, we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But they drove a golf cart on the highway with an open bottle of whiskey. So they used the open bottle of whiskey to drive. Is that what's going on? Shouldn't it more likely read, Drunk Floridian with an open bottle of whiskey allegedly drove golf cart on highway? That's all I'm saying. Anyhow, this is what's interesting. Here's the subheadline. A semi-truck driver intervened by forcing the golf cart, golf cart off of busy Interstate 95. Now listen, AP, there's a difference in a highway and an interstate. When you're talking about a highway, yeah, you're talking maybe a state road, you know, state highway this, A1A, Beachfront Avenue, you know, those kinds of things. When you're talking about the interstate, you're talking about cars zipping by at like 80 miles an hour. And this is a golf cart, drunk person driving a golf cart. Now, when I read the headline that my prejudice shows in, I immediately expected it to be a man. But check this out. Titusville, Florida. A woman with an open bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey in a bag was arrested for driving a golf cart on Florida's busiest interstate while drunk. According to an arrest report, the 58-year-old woman, old enough to know better, was arrested Saturday night. Of course, it was a Saturday night. Now, if by Saturday night, I guarantee you they mean like, they, they would say Sunday morning if it were like 1 or 2 in the morning, but I guarantee it's approaching midnight. Uh, Saturday night on the shoulder of Interstate 95, she's now facing misdemeanor charges of disorderly intoxication in a public place and resisting an officer without violence. I'm not going to jail. What you doing? Don't you? No! No! According to a... Hey, why would you do this to me? According to Highway Florida, uh, Florida Highway Patrol report, a semi-truck driver spotted the woman driving in the golf cart in the center lane of I-95 in Brevard County, which is the heart of Florida's Space Coast. <laughs> Not Space Ghost. <laughs> the Space Coast. Uh, this is where they launch all the rockets from. The truck driver used her semi to stick... Wow. So the lady in the truck saw the lady in the golf cart. They probably knew each other. She's like, well, there goes Billie Jean again. Um, and, and she... <laughs> Hey, large Marge coming at you. Uh, the truck driver used her semi to steer the golf cart driver onto the shoulder of the interstate. Once on the shoulder, the truck driver grabbed the keys of the golf cart as the woman tried to drive away. So she got out of the truck. The woman stopped for the semi truck. Hey, Marge, what you doing? That's what I guarantee you they knew each other. Uh, she grabbed the keys. You're not driving any further. Grabbed the keys once a woman tried to rob it. Once troopers arrived at the scene, the woman started arguing with him and insisted she needed her back. <laughs> no, hold on. <laughs> they didn't notice the bag yet. If you're going to take me, I need my bag. I need my bag to go with me. Well, what's in the bag? It's just important. I need it. Well, it happened to be a good old bottle of Jack Daniels Tennessee Fire Whiskey, the authority said. I-95, which stretches up and down the East Coast, is Florida's busiest interstate highway, according to Federal Highway Administration. It is. If you've ever driven I-95 down through Florida, you know 
there are not many places where it's wide open spaces on I-95, uh, especially once you get down into Jacksonville and, and south. It's just because it's one place after another uh, on that side of on that side of the state, you know. And then and before you know it, you're well, not before you know it, but you know, all the way down to Miami it goes. And uh, man, oh, what was where did she need to go? What was she doing that she needed to be on the interstate? Again, I'm disappointed with the reporting. I need an interview with this lady. I need to know where she thought she was headed. You know, was she going from one exit to the next? She was in the center lane, though. It wasn't like she was over in the left lane, you know, or in the in the right lane, rather, um, where the slow traffic goes. She's like, I can get over in the center lane. And, God, thank God for large marge. This woman should be thankful. You know, slowing her down, kind of easing her off to the side. Honey, you need to stop. You need to stop that golf cart right there. Here's there, there's another thing about people when they get intoxicated, they think that because it's a smaller vehicle, um, they can uh, they can just you know drive it. Whether it's a lawnmower, a golf cart, a little moped, you know, whatever the case may be. But this goes to show you, even even the golf cart keys. Make sure you know if you got some drunk friends, make sure they don't even have the golf cart keys, because they end up in places they have no business being. I'm just driving along on the interstate. I I had to get up here to the next exit. That's where my that's where my liquor store is. You don't need a liquor store. Look at your bag. Oh yeah, I forgot it. Give me my keys back. I I wonder if they almost fought. See, there's so many questions. Let me. I want to. Um, I want to make an appeal to the younger generation who may be, um, oh, that reminds me, by the way, big congratulations in order. We'll get there. I don't want to do, con <laughs> I don't want to congratulate someone on their big day <laughs> in the middle of a, in the middle of a story about a drunk lady. Hey, congratulations on your wedding. Now back to the drunk lady. Um, maybe she was coming from the wedding. We'll, we'll get there. Um, to any of the younger generation who may be living, or who may be living, to any of the younger generation who may be living, we're so glad you're still here. Stay with us. Who may be listening, um, and you're thinking about, I may want to go into journalism. That's something that seems exciting. That seems that's something that seems, uh, you know, on the on uh, interesting. When you decide to do so, and should you decide to be the journalist that says, I'm going to cover just the weird stuff get all the information. I mean, investigate it until it's just absolutely worn out. Do interviews, get quotes, get a little video, get a little audio, but answer all the, all the important questions, who, what, when, where, how, and why, you know, why was this woman on the interstate? It wasn't just because she was drunk. Who was who was the woman that actually pulled her over to her? Did they know each other? What happened when she pulled her over? Did they fight? You know, that sort of thing. How did this all come to be and come to pass? So I feel like the AP let us down. Uh, you know, standard media. It's, it's, the, it's the mainstream media just letting us down, not telling us what's important, not giving us all the facts. Not giving us any of the facts, to be honest with you. Stupid media people not telling me what I need to know. Florida. Hey, Florida, y'all stay classy. The land of the, the sunshine state where the sun burns our brains so much that we 
do stupid things just like this. Welcome. Welcome to Florida. Well, we also, uh, every now and again on the Big Honkin' Show, end up with a little something um, uh, where we have to call out the bad guys. You've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth criminal. Uh, California, a burglar left the keys inside the, uh, the crime scene. Um, in another twist, the thief also grabbed the keys to a bakery vehicle, but didn't steal the vehicle itself. So this comes from, uh, several months ago. Again, a Northern California burglar returned to the scene of the crime this weekend after he forgot his keys inside a donut company's corporate office. Now, wait a minute here. Hold on. The thief stole some petty cash from Johnny Donut's office. Now, ho- wait a minute. I don't, I don't know about Johnny Donuts, but by the way, it doesn't say Johnny's Donuts. It's from Johnny Donuts office, as though Johnny Donut is a person, as though Johnny Donut is a guy. So, for those, maybe my California friends know about Johnny Donuts. Johnny Donuts. It's called Johnny Donuts. Well, I'll be dad gum. What a fun name. They're wholesome, handcrafted, and made with love. I don't care if they're made with love or not. Are they made with sugary goodness? Are they <laughs> Are they made with a with a nice and rich dough that, that puffs up when you put them in the fryer? Are they glazed with a sweet, wonderful glaze? Johnny Donuts. I'm Johnny Donuts. Man, what a name. I wish my name was Johnny Donuts. It does. Okay, in the chat. Here we go. Real transient. Almost sounds like a mafia name. Hey, over here. That's Johnny Donuts over there. We call him that because he's always munching on a donut. Hey, what do you want from me? I love a donut. Sounds like a superhero. Sounds like a real-life superhero. Johnny Donuts. He's He is the new Johnny Appleseed of, for our nation. You know, it used to be a man was going around the country planting apple trees. Now it's a man's going around the country erecting donut shops. Which one is more of a hero than the other? I don't know. Johnny Appleseed was a bit of a missionary, so you kind of have to give the edge to him if you're a spiritually minded person. But I'm telling you something, the fat side of me is like, I don't know. There's a hero in someone that would travel the country putting up donut stands, especially if the donuts are good. But anyhow, so this, you know what? This makes this criminal that much more evil to me. I now hate this man with a holy hatred. You've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth criminal. The thief stole some petty cash from Johnny Donuts' office in the... <laughs> hey, Johnny Donuts, he breaking your office? Yeah, he broke him office and will break his legs. Uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area on Saturday night, police said, in another twist, he also grabbed the keys to a bakery vehicle, but he didn't steal the vehicle itself. San Rafael police are seeking the public's help to identify the burglar who used an unknown tool to manipulate the officer's doorknob and get inside. Okay, so here, here, are, the, here are the options on the unknown tool that he may have used to, quote-unquote, and they're putting in quotes, manipulate. Uh, he either used a key to manipulate it, he used a lockpick to manipulate it. He used a knife to manipulate it, or he used his foot to kick it in. Um, he got in around 10 p.m., according to Lieutenant Dan Fink. Lieutenant Dan. Hmm. The crime was reported to police on Monday. Surveillance video shows the man moving between the office and a back storage area where he pried open a filing cabinet, Fink said. 
The lieutenant said the thief took a bank bag with an unknown amount of cash. Part of the investigating is finding out why this specific business was targeted. Well, it's an inside job. Craig Bloom, the founder of Johnny Donuts, said his company plans to deliver a few dozen donuts to the San Rafael police officers. Come on now. You're... Are you going to deliver donuts to the police? You've been hit by, you've been by a smooth criminal. Who came to our aid to ensure that we can continue serving our community handcrafted donuts without interruption. It was an unfortunate incident, but we're glad the no donuts or team members were harmed, Bloom said. Sometimes even the thought of a donut makes you do crazy things. You're telling me about it. I, let me tell you, I love a donut. Let, let, I, I've talked about this before many times on the show. I'm not a big fan of cake necessarily. I like cake and I'll eat cake. I, there are certain cakes that I'm always going to go to, you know, but, but it's got to be like you, it, it's got to be a cake with a great reputation. I like cake. I'm not, a, I, I don't really care for pie, but I'm not, you know, I'm not obsessed with cake. I know some people are. Um, I don't, I, I love ice cream, love ice cream. And I like cookies, but man, donuts, there's just something about donuts that like a good donut. And I mean a good donut. Especially if they're warm. Oh, my Lanta. And I don't need any fanciness with the donut. I don't need, you know, uh, this coating or that coating, these sprinkles. Just a good old regular glazed donut. Uh, you know, if it's fresh and good, will do the trick for me a lot of times. Now, if I'm going and I have the choice, a lot of times I do the more cake-style donuts, like the uh, like a sour cream donut at Dunkin's or something like that. But, but honestly, I don't need, I don't need my donuts to get too fancy as long as they're fresh, man. A good fresh donut, my Lanta, I love it. And it will, if, if you, if you've been, especially if you've kind of been doing a little bit better and dieting a little bit here and there, you know, and you've been, and you've been abstaining from said thing, that, uh, that, that sugary goodness and that, that, mm, that fried dough goodness will just, it's going to get in your head and it's going to, um, mm, it's going to. Whew, it's going to make you do some crazy things. You'll get a little nuts for it. Here's what I think. I think that when they talk about someone using a tool to quote-unquote manipulate, and they put the manipulate in quotes there, to manipulate the doorknob, it seems like an inside job. Someone found a hole in the donut security. I'm sorry. I was not ready with my cue that I should have been ready with. What I said was someone found a hole in the donut security. You've been hit by, you've been stuck by a and they knew they knew what filing cabinet to go to. I mean, like to go and pry open the filing cabinet. The thing is, if you're a a burglar and you are just burgling somewhere and you don't really know what you're doing or where you're going, um, a locked filing cabinet, you know, because you're kind of stressed on time and you're worried about getting caught. You may not, you're not necessarily going to mess with it unless you know the goods are in there. So that dude either thought, hey, there's money in here or there's donuts in here. You've been hit by, you've been stuck by now, there are some people in the chat reminding us of back, oh, it's been six years ago now, of uh, six and a half almost, of a situation where. In Florida, a man was arrested on for possession of meth because Krispy Kreme flakes, the 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 the, the glaze flakes, tested positive as meth, and uh, he was arrested. And then later they realized, no, it's just sugar. 
Um, and so that led us, that led the big honking show into an investigation of, Hey, what's in these things? What's in the, what's in the, what's in the donuts? How you make, and so we actually, Shaz Bazaar went into, uh, into, uh, into a Krispy Kreme to find out what was going on. Uh, I went into a Krispy Kreme to find out what was going on. We recorded a little bit here and there and, and, you know, we'd play those clips and then, um, and then Daniel and Indy, I think, went into a Krispy Kreme and almost got uh, got attacked by Bigfoot. So um, you've got to be careful when you're doing these kinds of things because you'll you'll get in trouble. But I'm telling you what, um, and and you know what? Again, it's a it's a it's well said by John Phillips in the chat. Don't know if breaking a donut shop makes you smooth. Maybe a little sti- maybe a little sticky. You've been hit by. Let's not let's not miss the fact that Johnny Donuts thought, hey, here's a good way to uh, to thank the cops. Have some donuts. Now, this leads me to my other theory on this. Did the police orchestrate this so that they could get free donuts? You've been hit by you've been smooth criminal. Did the did the police say, hey, we have been light on donuts lately. Um, because of all the defund the police stuff, we're not getting paid enough where we can afford donuts anymore. What if we make like a, a, a community support and, and and investigate a donut robbery and maybe we'll get some free donuts? You've been hit by... I guess the question is, what wouldn't you do for a free donut? I don't know, but all I, I what I do know is, <laughs> is that if you come at me trying to take my donuts, I'm going to be like this, the dear lady who had this to say to a burglar in her home. Come on, I'm scared. I'm going to blow your damn brains out. <laughs> And of course, from a story where the lady said, "Come on inside, I'm going to blow your brains out." Not to be confused with Miss Beatrice Turner, but uh, but very much in that same vein. So uh, let's see. There, she also had this to say: "Come on up in here, I got something for you." <laughs> Come on up in here, <laughs> I got something for you. So um, <clears throat> anyway, I, look. I love I love donuts. It's sad to see someone attack a donut establishment, even one that I'm not familiar with because it's out on the West Coast. Johnny Donuts, great name. Um, it sounds like someone who won a donut eating contest or a mafia guy or maybe even a superhero. But I do know this, that we do pray for justice for Johnny Donuts. Justice for Johnny. That's our new... That's our new our new thing. All I have to do is walk into Krispy Kreme and they give me a free one from Realtor Angie. I can't live that life. I couldn't live that life because I would just walk out and walk right back in. I would, I, I, if all I had to do was walk in to get a free one, I'd be like, thank you. And turn around and walk out and walk back in. It'd be like, (laughs) it'd be like that clip from Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson is like, I was like, would you like to try a new vegetarian bacon? And Ron's like, yes, please. And he hands it to Ron and Ron throws it in the trash and says, I'll have another, please. And he does like like once or twice. And I was like, I can't give you any more, sir. And so April says, I'll have one. And he gives it to her and she throws it in the trash. 
That'd be like me. I'll have my free donut now, please. Thank you. Turn around, eat it, walk out, walk back in. I'll have my free donut now, please. That'd be some good stuff. Some great times. Um, last time on the show, we got off to talking about Scott Rifen's interaction with the raccoon. I say interaction. That's the wrong word. Uh, we, we talked about his, his destruction of a raccoon and somewhere in there we got to talking about, oh, I played the commercial, uh, the freaking zebra commercial and Shaz Bazaar began to reach out to me and say, Hey, did you ever get the freaking zebra song? Now I know I should probably transition into the Krispy Kreme song at this point. Um, but the freaking zebra song is like a new toy for me. And so, because I, I don't know that I'd ever heard it. I, somehow it, it might've come through. I don't know. It, it's one of those things that kind of blew by me and now I have it and, and I want to pay. And this is another hallmark for those of you. Who, and, and why are we doing this? Because there are a lot of you who never listened to the big honking show. All you wanted to do was talk about superheroes and star Wars and maybe star Trek, but not on this show. Um, you know, but, and, and so you didn't know the joy of the big honking show community. Um, so there would be all of these parody commercials and songs will get made. And this is one of them by Shaz. There was a story and this goes back, you know, 12, 10, 10 years, not 12, uh, 10 or 11 years to, uh, or gosh, no, it does go back 12 years, 12 or 13 years to the big honking show of the day. By the way, I just realized it's October. The big honking show has always had its resurgence in the fall. Interesting. Like September into October. Anyway. Um, so, uh, there was a story of a, of a, of a zebra that got loose from the, from the circus in Atlanta. And, um, and, and the quote from a young man named Daniel was, I looked up and there was a freaking zebra running down the road. And that just caught us by surprise. We thought it was funny. Shaz Bazaar thought it was funny. And he wrote this song and it is great. In stripes of black and white He will never let the cars go round When he's running on the street That's right He likes the highways the best He says the left lane is his favorite When you're heading down the interstate or autobahn His stripes are all you see Oh wow He's out there in the wild now of horse you read about Georgia or Germany That horse is kind of freaky That horse is zebra freak The cops all like to chase him They call him zebra freak He's all striped He's all striped Black and white stripes you see Yeah Ha 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 He's a zebra freak Zebra freak A freaking zebra
I feel like there's some lyrics missing there that that were in the other one. I maybe I got the wrong one. Anyhow, I mean, look, I love where he. <laughs> I need to I need to find the actual the the back. Of, the, there's a part that just absolutely just made me laugh just then that is is hilarious where he goes the interstate. Um, it was it was good stuff. But that Shazba freaking zebra. Let's give a little. Let's give it a little listen. And stripes of black and white He will never let the cars go round When he's running on the street That's right He likes the highways the best Right here, right here He says the left lane is his favorite right The left lane is his favorite <laughs> I love it The left lane is his favorite I thought there was more to it though As I recall, because I listened to it And I thought it was hilarious So I need to... Uh, let me see here if I can let's see if this was the actual one. I'm sorry, everyone. Hey, it's not the Big Honkin' Show without some Big Honkin' technical difficulties. Here not we go. far from here. Police Here's the full version. escaped zebra in downtown Atlanta. Yes. It wasn't really a zebra. It was a zebra. It they was got, a horse I, pretending. Dude, there are pictures on the Atlanta Journal-Constitution nope. website. Photoshop. No. Do you think HAC is going to Photoshop I'll in zebras? I'll put that in there. Look, okay, here we go. An Atlanta highway turned into a circus Thursday afternoon when an escaped zebra galloped along a busy section carrying a clown on its back. That's not <laughs> yeah. true. That no, that really happened. True. Yeah. And uh, it galloped along a busy section of the interstate with police in hot pursuit. A 12-year-old animal named Lima was exercising outside a downtown arena in preparation for an evening show when something spooked him. Boop. Said Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus spokeswoman Crystal Drake. The zebra broke away from his trainers and bumped up against a fence, then wriggled through an opening. We're not sure what it was that startled him, but we're looking into that, she said. Probably a mouse. It could have been a mouse, mm -hmm. could have been a, a gunshot from a, a taser. taser. He was spotted by people in downtown Atlanta around 4.30 p.m., said Georgia Department of Transportation spokeswoman Monica Luck. Daniel Nance said he saw the zebra near the downtown Marta transit station. All of a sudden, a freaking zebra comes running down the street like a car. <laughs> He's a very sneaky horse, disguised in stripes of black and white. He will never let the cars go round when he's running on the street. That's right. He likes the highways the best. He says the left lane is his favorite. <laughs> Oh, wow. I love that line so much. The left lane is his favorite. That horse is kind of freaky. That horse is zebra freak. The cops are like to chase him. They call him zebra freak. He's all striped. He's all striped. Black and white stripes, you see. It's not the first time a zebra has been spotted yeah. along a Metro Atlanta highway. Zebra. In April of 2008, <laughs> a zebra was found along Interstate 75. Zebra freak! Zebra freak! Like, hey man, I just saw a zebra. <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, five or six police cars were in hot pursuit and a bunch of officers on foot. But then I got scared thinking, what else? 
cuts is loose. Yeah. <laughs> he got he got scared because the cops were around. Think about it. Daniel Nance. <laughs> if you see a zebra running downtown Atlanta, you better go find somewhere to hide, buddy. Because there's no telling what yeah. else is Is loose. there a lion chasing the zebra? It's a sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> I don't get it. And he broke open the seal and yea, barely a zebra stepped forth. <laughs> oh, no. Chased by a All of a sudden, a freaking zebra comes running down the street like a car. He's a zebra freak. Son of freaking zebra, zebra comes running down the street yeah. like a car. That's what he said. That's how we should start off every episode. Zebra freak! Zebra freak! Oh, I thought they were shooting a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Lima led his trainers and the police on a 40-minute chase through downtown to the interstate highway that cuts through the center of the city, covering well over a mile along the way. Police cruisers blocked off all southbound lanes of the Interstate 75 and were able to herd the zebra over to the right shoulder and off an entrance ramp where his trainer was on hand to capture and soothe him. How do you soothe a, a frightened zebra in traffic? Easy. Yeah. Easy. He's a zebra whisperer. Hey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just speak English. That's what the zebra says. <laughs> he was obviously. He's a zebra freak. Zebra freak. There was a freaking zebra. Listen, it's one of my favorite things. It's so it's like I said, it's like a new toy. I listen to it. There's apparently I have a different version of it. I have two versions of this thing. I like the second one. And uh, for those of you who are listening via the recording of this, you may not have heard me play it the first time through. So there you go. There's stuff. Basically, for those of you who are listening, if I choose to edit, and that's a big if. And should I choose to edit this particular podcast? Um, there's a good chance that there was about seven minutes of show you didn't hear because uh, it's basically a repeat of what you just heard. He says the left lane is his favorite. Golly. That, I don't know that there's ever been a better line in musical parody. <laughs> Speaking of which, going to see Weird Al next week. That's going to be fun. Hey, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll get into the geeky stuff uh, that you tune in so much to hear from us. So... Uh, stick around. Another mark of the Big Honkin' Show of the old days are these parody commercials, and that's what you listen to when I take a break. It's just a good way to reset and keep going. We've only been going a little under an hour. No one told me they didn't want the long episodes, so here you go. We'll be back.
Has this ever happened to you? You got the wrong house. Well, you don't have to worry. Protect yourself and your family with BTH Security. Beatrice Turner Home Security has been in business since 2009, protecting people just like you. With our founder's patented alarm, criminals and burglars will be scared away. Just listen. Once you hear that sound, you know your home's protected, and one of our agents will call you right away to make sure you're okay. Don't forget, Beatrix Turner, the first name in home security. I want you to take evasive action off your couch and come down to Admiral Akbar's snack bar and miscellaneous emporium. I'm Admiral Akbar. Once we defeated the Empire, I had to reacclimate myself to civilian life. And I found my calling by selling delicious snacks and other miscellaneous items. Visit my store, and you can see here the ridiculous amount of savings and healthy foods housed within our 200,000 square foot superstructure. Some of the items include the following. My world famous chicken Caesar wraps. We have frap patinos, cats, baseball bats. It's a trap for catching mice. You will have no choice but to shop with Admiral Akbar's snack bar and miscellaneous emporium. You just can't repel deals of that magnitude. Proceed with the countdown to savings, and may the force be with you. From our studios in New York City, this is Charlie Rose. And how can we use this advantage? You can't trust anything. Just because you think that they're cute, they're they're deadly. They're dangerous. You know how many people have died from a beaver attack? How many? You would know this much more than I do. I'll tell you how many people have died from beaver attacks. Okay, tell me four or five of those that we ought to take a look at. At least one beaver attack on a human is known to have been fatal. There's got to be more. I think I think I've heard of more. I'm I'm going to blow the lid off this thing right now. I am going to 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 expose the beavers. Okay, that's that has now become my mission in life. Is there one great thing you want to do? It's time we expose the beaver. It's time that we showed the world the beaver for what it is. No, Steve, we're not going to do that. You're listening to Geek Out Loud.
right, it's Geek Out Loud. I just realized I've got some... Um, I've got some liners from celebrities here and there that I don't know where they're at. They're like, hey, this is so-and-so, and you're listening to Geek Out Loud. i got to find those. Those would be good stuff to, to be able to throw in here and there. Anyway, uh, welcome in. Welcome back. Welcome. We're still here. Those I don't know if you walked away from the podcast or if you joined the podcast, you know, uh, as... You just scrubbed over to like the what minute mark are we at? Fifty minute mark or whatever, and uh, and said, "Well, I just this is where I'm going to start." Well, welcome, welcome to you, welcome back to the Geek Out Loud podcast, and uh, it is geeky, uh, geeky time. Hey, everybody, it's geeky time. Now, I did find this. This is one of those things that kind of uh, look. I forgot when I decided I wanted to kind of go big honking show centric in the first segment of the show. I'd forgotten where I'd put a lot of my drops and stuff. And so I'm going through my hard drive trying to find uh, the different things. And I came to across this thing, and it's titled Goal Jam. And I'm like, what in the world is this? Who sent this to me? And with terror, I realized this is me. Derek had said one time, rap for me, Steve. And so I did. Yo, DJ, let's spin this old school. Yo, check it out. This is the Geek Out Loud Jam. We're going to call it the Geek Out Loud Jam because my boy D was all like, Rap for me, Steve! And I'm like, how can I deny a request from my podcasting partner for life? For life, yo. You may notice my voice a little bit different. That's because I'm getting ready to spit some rhymes for you. Okay, I'm not going to be so lame as that, but... This is the Geek Out Loud Jam. This is for you, Heavy D. You're not heavy. You're my brother. Check it, check it, check it out. Here we go now. Steve and Derek talking Muppets day and night, hoping that Miss Piggy doesn't get into a fight. She'll come at you strong with a big hiya. But here comes Kermit to introduce a guest star. We say she'll pump about the movie we'll see. Plotting like Bunsen and his boy, Beaky, Stellar and Waldorf will always be dissing, but Muppets is one show that we won't be missing. Now we move on so the laughter never fails. It's about that time to jump into some emails. Star Wars, 80s, and maybe Doctor Who will throw in a few jokes just to entertain you. We keep it real loose, and that's just fine, because this is the official podcast of Geek Out Online. Says this is the official podcast of online. Geek Out Online, Geek Out Online. What about time, 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 time? It's your safe place to come and geek out because geeky stuff is what we're all about. We might even let you talk a little Star Trek. Yeah, we all know that ain't happening. Word to your mother. Okay, I'll tell her. That's that's the Geek Out Loud jam. <clears throat> I'm, I'm both embarrassed and proud of that at the same time. So, um, And now I'm getting a weird look from my wife. So, Hey, you're on the air. So... <laughs> Hey, we're broadcasting. That's kind of the thing. <laughs> Here's what's so funny about that is early on in our relationship, there were two things that I told my wife I could do. Uh, she was not my wife yet. Uh, and she was on thin ice after these two things. I told her I was going down. I, I was headed to South Georgia uh, to, gosh, we'd only been dating maybe a couple of times, uh, going out a couple of times when I told her this. I was going to South Georgia to open up for my brother, John, who does a Christmas concert down in Douglas, Georgia every year. And I kind of MC and, and, and work up the, um, 
you know, kind of kind of loosen up the audience with a little bit of humor, some funny stuff here and there. And she talked about how she really cringed at the idea of me trying to do stand up because it, I'm, you know, most people aren't funny. And um, and I tried to do my stand up bit for her, but she ruined it. She did not get the joke. And um, whereas a lot of people in South Georgia did. Um, and then the other thing is I told her one time I could rap and she just kind of made another cringe face like, eh, I don't think you can. And multiple times she's heard me do it now on different tracks here and there. And, um, look, I wanted to be, when I was a kid, I thought I was a rapper. So I learned how to do it early on. You know, I, I, I was like, I gotta, now I can't flow like a river all the time, but if I write out some raps, I can do some raps, give me a beat, you know? And, uh, and we'll do it. But anyhow, that's all we're here to do. By the way, speaking of my wife, uh, whom I love, uh, just want to say that Geek Out Online is brought to you by Collagen um, this time around. Uh, it is uh, it's something that's actually happening. Uh, collagen is, uh, is absorbed, liquid collagen rather, is absorbed at a rate of 93% compared to 13% for powdered collagen. A lot of people take collagen as a supplement here or there. And they'll go and buy the powdered stuff and mix it in with a drink and and, and do it. But uh, this really helps with achy and stiff joints, a little bit of mobility, especially for those of us who are kind of crossing that middle-aged range of area. Um, it might help with, with wrinkles and loose skin, that sort of thing. Liquid collagen is, is, is the way to go. It gives improved joint mobility, reduced joint discomfort, skin hydration, firmness, elasticity, and it even helps your gut health, which is a huge deal, a big thing. Uh, a lot of people report better sleep, healthier skin, hair, nails, and that sort of thing. Um, my wife is into this. It's it's uh, Collagen by Modere, and you can check out her Instagram at Haley Glosson. That's H-A-Y-L-E-Y-G-L-O-S-S-O-N uh, on, over on Instagram. And look, check out her stories, check out her links, and uh, you can get an order to... you can. Uh, you can check out and get a $10 discount on your first order from Modere of collagen and collagen-based products. A lot of stuff they do. And here's some testimonies that, that have happened. Uh, diminished knee injury pain um, from one person who's been taking it, healthier hair after a little bit of hair loss. Uh, grand, there's a grandmother who says she's finding it easier to play on the floor with her grandchildren. These are people that we know in our own personal lives. A uh, 65-year-old who says he no longer wakes up with shoulder or knee pain. There's an athlete in her 30s who's able to run 13 to 16 miles again after not running for months due to pain behind her knees. And a female in her 60s exercising and doing yard work and stuff without the sore, uh, stiff joints, the feeling the next day. So it's really helping all these folks. And it's one of those things, it's, it's subtle, It's not, it, and it's not like a big process. You take a tablespoon in the morning, tablespoon at night, and, uh, and, and it helps you out. So that's at Haley Glosson. On Instagram, H-A-Y-L-E-Y-G-L-O-S-S-O-N. Get in touch with her if, if you feel like those are some things you need. They also have other supplements and and different uh, drinks and that sort of thing. One of the things I like is what they call Go. It's kind of like Spark, for those of you who know what a Spark is. Um, I do the Fruit Punch version of that. And they also have kind of uh, like an electric light, electrolyte uh, restorer kind of drink powder that is is pretty good, tasty strawberry stuff. Um, that I use after riding a bike or whatever, working in the yard, or sometimes just because I want a tasty drink, you know. So uh, so check it out. Haley Glosson on Instagram, H-A-Y-L-E-Y-G-L-O-S-S-O-N. You'll be supporting our family. You'll be supporting the podcast. 
and uh, and and maybe even supporting yourself if you try the things out and, and decide you like them. Um, so let's get into this thing. You know, one of the things that's happened since our last uh, time together is uh, She-Hulk has now wrapped up on Disney Plus. The finale dropped, and um, I honestly uh, was really excited about She-Hulk because she's in the Hulk family. Um, I, Hulk is, is one of my favorites. I'm becoming less and less thrilled with what, uh, w- with what the MCU has done to the Hulk and less and less thrilled about maybe the direction that they're actually going to end up going with the Hulk. But, you know, it's one of those we'll wait and see kind of things. <clears throat> um, I was looking forward to She-Hulk because I like the character I like the journey of the character. I like someone who, the thing about She-Hulk for the longest time is this is a character who was comfortable in her skin as She-Hulk. She enjoyed being She-Hulk. She was confident in that. It, it wasn't just that she was a female version of the Hulk. It was that she was her own person. She, you know, when you go and read She-Hulk in her time in the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, even in her own book, uh, the sensational She-Hulk and beyond, here's a, this was a person who had her own agency she, it wasn't just that she was a, a Hulk-like. Now, she was created uh, as, a, as a means to protect uh, trademark. I mean, that's literally what, when you see She-Hulk, she's literally trademark protection from back in the day. And, and so there's no getting around that. But sometimes those things don't work out. Sometimes, most of the times it seems like those things, those kind of things don't work out, but sometimes they actually do. And this is one of the cases where it actually really worked out because you ended up with a really fun character John Byrne did some really fun stuff in Sensational She-Hulk, and uh, I, I can't remember who did it. Um, uh, who did it the last time around when it was a, a big run? But again, she was breaking the fourth wall, and it was kind of silly and fun and everything. But there was also an air a lot of times of adventure. And when she worked with the Fantastic Four or with the Avengers, she was a bright spot. She was, and, and there was always a bit of a wisdom about her, that sort of thing. But she was a fun, good, well-written character. Her character was not made simply to own the fanboys kind of thing. And unfortunately, um, it seems like in the, in the overall, in the broader sense of this show, that Disney spent a lot of money just to own the so-called toxic fanboys. And, and that's what the show ended up being mostly. It had its really bright spots and its really fun moments and its really good things. But it just, you know, watching that finale, it started off so well Golly, I can't tell you how much I love the use of the Incredible Hulk intro and the reworking of that to be the Savage She-Hulk. I mean, with shot, you know, with shots right out of the thing and 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 her superimposed over those shots and and even in the very beginning it seemed to be remaking the entire shot. They uh, listen, there was some amazing work to digitally in some instances insert her into that intro. And the fact that they we're using that intro and that music. It makes me wonder if they have come to some kind of unique terms or, or interesting terms with Universal where we could be seeing more Hulk standalone things. Unfortunately, it might not be standalone because of what happened at the end of the show where they introduced Scar. And I, whatever, we'll get there. We'll, I'll talk about that in a moment and, and my thoughts on that matter. Um, but the, the, the finale itself, like it started out so, I was so excited. And I loved when she like busted through the uh, the the Disney Plus uh, menu screen and everything, and and walked. I mean, it was that was right out of like sensational She-Hulk style stuff, where she's walking into the offices of Marvel to say, "Hey, what's this about? What's going on here?" 
Um, the problem is, is her solution for what she didn't like about the finale. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of weird and everything was kind of happening really fast. And all of a sudden the Hulk just shows up. It's like, Hey, I'm here. And, uh, and, and, but I was like, Oh, he and the abomination are about to fight. That's going to be fun. But the abomination was towering over the Hulk. And I had a bit of a problem with that. I, I you know, I, they've made the abomination super huge and I get that, but I'm, I don't know that the abomination was one who actually was necessarily bigger than the Hulk, uh, in the comics, but that's fine. That's none of my business. That's fine. But I was like, oh, we're going to get to see this fight again. This will be fun, you know, to see them fight when both of them had their wits about them and, and everything. But then, of course, it stops. Well, that's fine. I wasn't upset by that. I was amused by it. I was entertained by it until it was. It's really one of those things where everything was working until the ending they chose. And the ending they chose reminds me of in the comics when Jane Foster was was Thor and again I have a problem with her calling herself Thor because Thor is not a superhero name it is someone's actual name it'd be like someone taking over Geek Out Loud and saying that their name is Steve Glosson you know when they're not um it's like you can have this power you can have this platform but you're not Thor you Thor is his his name he's it's not his secret idea it's his name um but anyhow uh, in one of her first outings, she ends up fighting, um, absorbing man and Titania in, in the comics. And Titania basically says, you know what? I'm not going to do it. You know, Hey, it's good to see a woman wielding the hammer, having the hammer, whatever she says. But basically she doesn't get into the fight because she's like, Hey, girl power. The problem with that is, is how many times had Titania fought, uh, she Hulk? How many times had she fought these other female superheroes. She never gave Sue Storm her props. She never gave She-Hulk her props. She never gave uh, uh, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, uh, their props. You know, Miss Marvel, Sherry, uh, Sharon, uh, Sharon Masters, her props. The, the she thing is what people came to call her. She never gave these people their props for, for what they were doing. Uh, she fought them. And so it's not like her character suddenly became, oh, girl power, way to go, girl. And that just fell flat. And, it, and, and that's how this ending felt. It felt like, Hey, I want us to to get along. I want Abomination to take, you know, to be held accountable for his actions. And instead of getting back into that finale moment in the barn, like they should have backed up, gotten back into the 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 barn or the or or whatever they they called that area, um, and pick back up from just before Todd injected himself and redo everything that way. Like have her either stop that from happening or that not be the case or him saying he's going to create a whole look there's a different ways to do it and but instead it just felt like oh we all hugged and made out made up and and we're good to go now it, I, I, it was purposely made chaotic with titania all of a sudden coming in and the hulk showing up it was perfect it was purposely made that way to lead to her saying just stop let's do it this way you know doing the zach morris freeze and 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 breaking the fourth wall and doing it that way all that was fine. It's just the way they chose to end was really, really strange and anticlimactic and, and weird. And when she talked about, like, don't all these movies kind of end the same way? Anyway, well, yeah, you know why? Because it's a superhero movie. I want to talk about that in a minute, about the superhero genre. But, you know, it to so end it a different way, but don't just don't just flatten it out. Don't just don't just deflate everything and be done. 
And and I feel like that was the big weakness of, of this episode. And in a lot of ways, the weakness of, of the series. There were so many little bright spot, bright points here and there. I enjoyed seeing Matt Murdock as Daredevil. You know, I think a lot of people are worried. It's like, oh, it's not the Daredevil that I know. I don't, you know, we, they have really watered down this Daredevil from what they did with Netflix. You know, the Netflix Daredevil. The Netflix Daredevil was a lot darker than this Matt Murdock. Well, yeah, the Netflix Daredevil was a lot darker than this Matt Murdock because this Matt Murdock was showing up in a comedy show. And so he's going to be a little bit funnier. That's See, I think that there are a lot of people who are into the MCU that may not have ever really been into the comics per se. And, and really, if you're ever in the comics, you know that Daredevil, early on, Stan Lee liked to make a lot of his heroes, you know, wisecracking kind of guys. It wasn't just Spider-Man that would do it. Daredevil kind of did the same thing. Daredevil had a little bit more of a, of a mature way of doing it. You know, a lot of fellas, <laughs> a lot of young mans, a lot of, you know, he, he, he his humor seemed to come from a, a more mature place than Spidey's, like, just silly adolescent style humor but he was still very quippy the dark daredevil stuff didn't happen until on down the road it, it it's almost the same path as a batman kind of situation but that doesn't mean that when daredevil gets his own show later on that he's going to be all like you know funny and and laughy and jokey and everything but you know what i i don't think there's a problem with having a daredevil that is the, the, Matt Murdock being charming and 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 fun to be around and a good dude, a likable guy, uh, who who has to go to this dark place by night and and become Daredevil, almost a Bruce Wayne Batman kind of thing. They really are a great kind of in you know, um, flip side of the coin for each other in 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 some ways. The you know if you look at the Netflix Daredevil. Matt Murdock's not the most likable guy in the world. He's so, you know, they play up the tortured, you know, brooding kind of guy so much that it's hard to believe that, um, that you know, you get to see him in Foggy here and there a little bit. But it's really, especially once you get into the later seasons, you know, he really becomes kind of hard to like. But it's neither here nor there. I'm just saying that, like, this show, to me, knew what it wanted to be but it never quite achieved that. And I don't know if they were scared to go full on what they wanted to be or if they just didn't know how to go full on what they wanted to be. I've seen so many people say, well, you know, the jokes are not written for 40-something-year-old dudes who, you know, and of course they have to throw skin color in there when they say it. And, and I'm just like, you know what? That's not that's not what this is about. Um, I saw earlier, it's so funny. I saw earlier in the chat here live at Mixer.com slash Goldiverse Someone bring up, um, as we were getting started, the pre-show music was playing, and there's this version of Ghost, the Ghostbusters theme I played. And someone was like, oh, yeah, it's that time of year for Ghostbusters, except that 2016 Ghostbusters. We don't talk about that. Blah. Well, here's the thing. The 2016 Ghostbusters, it fell flat because it needed to be a bit funnier and, and, or lean a little bit more serious. It was, it was caught in this limbo of not really knowing how to do Ghostbusters. It had, it had one of the funniest casts ever in a movie those four main ladies are some of the funniest people on the face of the planet they really truly truly are and and i feel like they were done a disservice by a script that doesn't quite get there or play to their comedic strengths that that well um if you go back and watch the original ghostbusters 
the thing about that Ghostbusters is, and this is, and this is not my original thought. This is something I've heard someone talk about lately, and it was pointed out to me, and it makes a lot of sense. Bill Murray is kind of the key that makes that thing super funny. Ray gets some jokes in there. Egon gets a few jokes in there, but they kind of all, but Egon, but like Dan Aykroyd and and the rest of them, they play that they play those roles very very earnestly. Whereas Bill Murray almost plays it as though he can't believe he's in this kind of movie. He refuses to believe anything that's going on. He is the he he's he's not just cynical and he's not just skeptical as his character is meant to be, but it's almost like the actor himself is there making fun of everything that we're seeing, and that makes everything else so much funny, so much funnier that he does. You know, like he's the one noticing how crazy all this stuff is. And and so when you start to quote Ghostbusters, a lot of times it's his lines or his moments that a lot of people quote and go to. Um, I liked Ghostbusters 2016. I was I I really thought that I, I wanted a sequel. I wish we could revisit those characters, and I wish that they could get a good comedy writer in there to punch it up, to tighten it up, to play to the strengths of all of those ladies and really let them play off of each other differently and, and a little more strongly and play to their different strengths a little better. And I and, and have someone... I don't know that Melissa McCarthy needs to be... Well, Kristen Wiig was more the straight man of this one, you know, and I don't know. I If she's going to be the Bill Murray skeptical, cynical one, she needs to kind of end up with that attitude that Bill Murray had, you know, because there's that there's a comedic thing that's going on there. I'm not saying she needs to be Bill Murray, but her attitude toward things needs to be a little bit different. So I think that what happened here with She-Hulk back to She-Hulk is kind of the same thing. They needed some real strong comedy writers in the writer's room to punch up the jokes, to make them, to make them work more. All of the scenarios were really good scenarios that were ripe for comedy where they were supposed to be comedic. You know, every single episode, the thing, the dating stuff she went through had, you know, could have been a lot funnier. And it was funny, you know, but it was just kind of like, eh, because everything got turned into let's attack the men. Let's attack the people who've, who've been supporting these comics and supporting these movies for this long. And let's really appeal to this other demographic. And the, and there are some jokes that were funny that I didn't think were funny that I know other people did and really jumped on. And that's fine. That's their business. You know, like if you think Madison with a Y, but not where you think if you, if that, that tickled my wife to death. And I'm just like, I'm kind of tired of this person now, but I liked her interaction with Wong. You know, the thing about Wong is Wong has always been kind of a funny character. You know, you go back to the original Dr. Strange and you know, it's the Wi-Fi password. We're not savages. And uh, well, that was that was Mordo that did that. But Wong is like, who's Beyonce? And then you hear him listening to Beyonce or you see him listening to Beyonce. Uh, at the end, he kind of gets tickled about something funny that said, you know, and and then as as you move forward, as the MCU got progressively and progressively more. Honestly, in many ways, became a more and more of a parody of itself, um, it, you know, except for Infinity War and Endgame. Um, you end up with. Wong, who is really a funny character and has some funny stuff to say, but he also still has this moral center in this compass that he has, which was kind of, so that's why it's off-putting to see him be like, you know, kind of against the American law, like, uh, you know, just kind of shove, shrug off 
being law abiding as something, um, you know, that's more, uh, more of a burden than anything because he, he seems to have this moral center of doing what's, what's right. So, um, so it, it is, uh, <laughs> DF music 64 in the chat says the Y is exactly where I thought it was. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, as you, as you get into, as you get into the show itself though, I do feel like it needed to be punched up more. It needed more of a, uh, more, more of a, a comedic flair to it that was, that was appealing across the board. You can't with these things do, do stuff that you say, well, this only appeals to this certain person. If this, the whole, this wasn't written for you when it comes to this genre is I honestly, and I don't want to invalidate anybody, but I will invalidate your argument. I don't know that that's a good argument. Now, if you want to go to some other, look, Hallmark movies, they're not written for me. They're not made for me. I get that. But I also get that there are a lot of people who love the Hallmark movies. Good for you. Go for it. You know, I understand those aren't written for me. I would never tell anyone that a superhero movie is not written for them. Um, because what we saw starting way back in 2008 with Iron Man is that these characters, when they're well-written and when the, when the movies are well-written and the characters are engaging, that they're honestly written for everyone. That, that, that the reason that Iron Man was successful and the subsequent films were so successful is, is because there was a common ground on which everyone could meet and enjoy these things. And when you start making these things and say, well, it's not really written for you, then you're cutting off a big chunk of your audience and you're cutting off the audience that was promoting these things and pushing these things on other people for the longest time anyway. And so what you're going to end up having happen is you're going to alienate the foundation of your audience and drive them away from certain parts of your properties that you want to be successful. And then when they're not successful, what happens? The people who it's not written for, the people you blame. Well, you know what? This would have been successful if it weren't for all of these, you know, these fanboys, these toxic fanboys who, well, you said it wasn't for me. So I didn't go after it. I didn't watch it. I didn't spend money on it. I didn't. You know, you can't have it both ways. You can't expect, I don't know that Hallmark expects grown men to enjoy their Hallmark movies. They have a specific audience they're made for. And you know what? It's super successful. And a lot of guys end up watching them. You know why? Because their wives and girlfriends love them. And so they get sucked in and they just kind of suffer through it, you know. But the thing about these these superhero movies is, I mean, go back to Iron Man. Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. was so charming even though he was just a jerk, but his journey was so charming that you, that it, it appealed to everyone on different levels, you know, and I'm sorry, ladies, you can, we can talk about the, 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 the male gaze, all you own or the female gaze or whatever the case may be. I, I don't know which one is right, but the idea of, um, you know, gratuitous, this or that, I can take you through the first couple of phases of Marvel and show you, gratuitous shirtless shots of some really good looking guys. And, uh, and, and I didn't hear anyone saying those, those men were being exploited when those literally those shots were there to, to attract the female gaze, so to speak. So, um, anyway, I I've really gotten off track and, and I've been more serious than I mean to be with this, but it, to me, it's just interesting that what, ha what was potentially one of the most unique and fun 
and 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 could have been super cool concepts for a character for a superhero for a show uh fell flat more than it actually rose to the day and and this this episode was good 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 and then the ending fell flat wrestling shows are that way you know you can have a great wrestling show but people are going to remember what they went home with and i just feel like the ending was so flat that it, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth so that brings me to scar and the introduction of scar number one good night everyone that complained about angley's hulk looking like shrek you need to go back and watch scar come around the corner of and behind hulk on this it it's like a cartoon stepped onto the screen, but that's neither here nor there. What is here or there is, is Hulk coming back to earth from Sakaar should not be Hulk coming back with his son. I don't, mm. I know that they're not, you know, that these movies aren't going to follow so closely along with the comics. They already have it. You know, I get it. I understand. Fine fine whatever but i will say this and 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 i think it needs to be pointed out planet hulk worked because of what the 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 illuminati did to bruce banner in tricking him into going into space to 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 make a save and jettisoning him through hyperspace out to some planet they thought and in his rage he caused the 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 ship to change course and he ends up on Sakaar where he is enslaved and has to fight in the arena and fights his way out overthrows the despot king falls in love with the queen and and then in the course of his time there and learning to love and be loved and learning to be a benevolent you know ruler and be you know just be accepted the way the hulk never is just like all things when the hulk gets accepted it goes wrong and we we haven't seen that yet for the hulk since age of ultron and we really 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 need you know for the hulk to for that character to continue to be engaging um for for that to for that hulk to really be engaging in the mcu you've got to have that tragic aspect to it i'm sorry you just do but anyway, uh, the thing about Planet Hulk, spoilers for those of you who haven't read, Planet Hulk ends when his ship, his original ship, blows up and destroys a big chunk of that planet, uh, including his wife, his, you know, that he was bound to, and, and, uh, and his unborn child, apparently, and all this other, and, 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 and so he takes his warbound company, the, the people he fought with in the arenas, uh, that includes Korg, not some, oh, my, you know, not some funny, you know, silly little rock man Korg, but like a warrior Korg that he chooses that he's with Meek, who is a warrior. You're not just a, not just a punchline. Um, he takes them and he returns to earth and he returns to earth angry. And it's one of the most incredible Hulk moments when the Hulk full capacity, full intelligence, but absolutely angry sends a message to earth. And he basically says, I'm landing in New York in 24 hours. You have 24 hours to evacuate the city. Here's who I want there. And he names off the Illuminati and says, that's all I want there. Everyone, I'm not mad at anyone else, but I want them there because I'm going to destroy them. And, um, and so, of course, the superheroes don't heed the warning. They're like, well, we got to fight the Hulk. 
And in World War Hulk is just a is just a slugfest that's amazing. Of course, it ends with the Sentry bringing all his power to bear on the Hulk and knocking him out, and he reverts back to human Bruce Banner. That leads into the Red Hulk stuff and everything. It's neither here nor there after that. But it's several months later, we go back to Sakar, not we're through through the pages of Scar, the Son of Hulk. And we're told what actually ends up happening because of his gamma irradiated situation and everything. Scar does survive. He is born. He does grow up and become, it's a very barbarian sword and sorcery kind of thing for a little while until he ends up going to earth with the intent to kill uh, the Hulk. And, um, and there's some engaging, interesting stuff there, you know, in the comics, but I was never the biggest fan of it. So I understand that me not being the biggest fan of Scar kind of, also colors this but to just have him show up me like this is my son everybody there's a chunk of story that they're either going to skip over or we didn't quite know how far down the line they moved to get to that picnic scene uh or that that backyard barbecue scene with with jen's family and, and matt murdoch and everything so um i don't know it, i i just feel like there's a lot that fell flat and a lot of of stuff that went on who is the mother of hulk's son well she was his she was, uh, I forget her name, but, um, but she was on Sakar, and her name is Syera and, and Syera the old strong. And so Hulk and she fell in love. She was kind of there to, she was meant to be the ruler, but he helped her overthrow the despot ruler, um, of, of, uh, uh, of Sakar and uh, they fell in love and, and that sort of thing. So um, Syira is her name and, um, and and she died, Mr. Coach Klein. And, uh, and so she's no longer around, but here's the question I have as, as we've seen these superhero movies have come out, honestly, and I know that some of it is the, uh, the pandemic and, you know, and people not quite going full on back to the movie theaters yet. Um, but I'm wondering what's happening to the superhero genre in, in terms of its viability with audiences. Now, this is not about, um, this is not about, you know, Oh, they're doing this to this hero and that to that hero. This is just about kind of the business aspect of it. It's become a billion dollar niche of the entertainment industry. And I'm just wondering, are we now at the point because, you think the Marvel Cinematic Universe started in 2008, but before you ever had that, we always, we seem to think that like, oh, the great superhero revolution began in 2008 with Iron Man. No, you got to go back to 2002 with Spider-Man. And even before that, in 2000 with X-Men, X-Men kind of kicked it off. But when Spider-Man hit, Spider-Man hit huge. Never, I feel, I don't know. Listen, I look here, look, here's the thing. The, the, the Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in 2002 was a big, big deal. And it was a strong showing and it was something people loved. And then with that came X-Men 2, Spider-Man 2, and all these other superhero movies began to, to come out. Batman Begins in 05, um, Superman Returns in 06 all kinds of you know superhero movies began to to pour out of the creatives in in Hollywood you know and all of these properties began to get snatched up and what they tried to do a little bit in the late 90s really came to fruition in the early 2000s so that when 2008 hit 
what was different about Iron Man was is it was Marvel Studios. It wasn't Marvel parsing its its uh, its licenses out to other studios. It was Marvel Studios doing it in house and beginning something that no one thought was possible. Beginning a, a connected shared universe of superheroes that would lead to 2012's Avengers. Um, and it's what's really interesting is how comics have changed even since that time. But that's 14 years since the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 20 years since Spider-Man, 22 years since the X-Men. Spider-Man is really, to me, the, the big tent pole, the benchmark, the watershed moment for superhero movies and, and what would be the real superhero trend in movies. And so I'm just wondering, though, at this point now, 20 years down the line, is... Is, is is it just TV for the foreseeable future? Is this genre of movies becoming Westerns? You know, Westerns was huge. You know, Westerns was. Westerns were huge back in the day. And and you think about how few Westerns are released now to theaters in, in that genre of film. I know you've got like Yellowstone's real popular and it's kind of a modern day Western, you know. But the period piece Western films of the of the 70s of the 60s you know in the wake of the bonanzas and the gun smokes and the spaghetti westerns and everything those begin to die out because they begin to not make as much money now we're not talking hundreds of millions of dollars and that sort of thing that the that the superhero movies have been making but we are seeing these things released to diminishing returns diminishing times in the theater and because of streaming i imagine probably a diminished purchasing of the physical media of these things anymore so it, it to me it would seem studios may be not making the jack on the superhero films that they used to make even as much you know even as as as, as recently as four or five years ago um and so i'm just wondering if that's if that's true there are new the thing is is what has happened too in in all of this is 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 around these modern day westerns if you will um there are, there have been new fans pop up, and there are fans that are fans specifically of the cinematic universe. And there, there are also people out there who seem to receive everything as though it is the best of everything. Uh, in when when these when these movies and stuff drop, which is that's disconcerting to me because I feel like there's very little objective. Uh, criticism of, of, of some of these things sometimes I feel like I feel like people are being very much just giving a pass to everything rather than um, taking true objective looks at it because they want to love it they want to they want to they want to think it's so great but and these new fans are true fans I'm not saying they're not but I just wonder if, if sometimes there are fans who come in and want to change the genre and make it something that it never was and, and I don't know that those are true fans of superhero genre. I think that the movies are a great way to introduce people to these superheroes. I, I still think that comics should be in, in the backbone of everything um, when it comes to this. Now, I know that they're not the moneymaker they used to be. Um, and that's unfortunate, you know. But, let's, but, the, but quite frankly, the publishing companies and the distributors made it that way as did uh, comic shops. You know, they made them, they made comics inaccessible to the average reader. 
there are a lot of people my age and, and right around my age and my generation and before who they found comic books on magazine stands in convenience stores or bookstores. And that's what they, that's what got them into the superhero genre. The cartoons on TV led to them seeing these cartoon characters on the shelves, on these books, these, these, these periodicals. And they said, I gotta, I gotta check it out. I gotta have it. And, um, and, and that's not the case anymore. Now it's like, here's the new big thing. Here's the, and meanwhile, the comics just kind of seem to be not doing great over here. You know, the thing that should be the backbone, the thing that should be feeding this other medium is, is not even being fed uh, by anything, much less doing any feeding. And, and they're just kind of seem to be existing in a, in a weird limbo space right now, which is unfortunate because the art of the comic book, I think, is one of those things that is 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 very american and it's and and these heroes are are are, are myths uh that are in the vein of a paul bunyan a john henry an apple a johnny appleseed kind of thing you know these are the new american myths you know and they're meant to to give us a broad look at the state of humanity even someone like superman you know superman was was written as a character and he and he stood up for the little guy you know when you read the the early early issues of simon and schuster superman in the action comics what you see is someone who is you know he's fighting slum lords he's he's fighting uh, you know spousal abusers he's doing you know before, and he's doing it as someone who's super strong and, and you know he's fighting and of course he's fighting the gangsters and everything but he the, but he is pushing people to do better he's fighting for the betterment of humanity in a way that is, you know, it's it's not really questionable what he's doing, and and he becomes this person um, to whom humanity is to look to be better, you know, to be a better uh, race of of people. Not just because he's super powered, but because of his morality. You know, is he a Boy Scout? Sure, but he is um, he really is in a lot of ways the natural progression. Not just from your Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, you know, stuff. Not just your Tarzan or your John Carter Marsh, but he is the natural progression from Paul Bunyan, from John Henry. He is that American iconic hero who stands for what is right and stands for what is good, and is just meant to be a moral light. That you know, he's that he's what he's lighting the way. He's that kind of guy. He's that kind of hero. Um, Spider-Man is someone who was, you know, the lesson in Spider-Man is not very specific. It's very broad. It's very mythological. If you have the ability, you have the responsibility. You know, if you have the ability to do well, you have the responsibility to do well. If you have the ability to give, you have a responsibility to give. If you have the ability to help, you have the responsibility to help. And that's Spider-Man. And, and because it's in a more fantastic setting, you know, he has, it's the great power aspect of the great responsibility, but the idea of ability brings about responsibility. That's just a broad stroke general principle of living that is able to be told in these stories. And what we see in Spider-Man is that responsibility we see also often brings choices we have to make and choices for the greater good, choices for the ones we love. You know, and we have to make sure that we are handling those things right. And it's stuff that goes on even today in the Spider-Man comics. Um, the Fantastic Four was all about family. And it had a strong focus on the importance of family. Not just what we would consider, even back then in the 60s, not just the nuclear family. This family was made up of a dude, his best friend, 
his wife and and her brother and 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 that was their family and they considered one another family you know ben became a brother to reed uh just as johnny did and and of course reed and sue get married and so they are now you know and then they have kids to be the nuclear family but you have all the turmoil and strife of a standard family you know and a little bit of dysfunction thrown in there but ultimately when it all is said and done they show what families do and family what families are supposed to be to pull together it's broad strokes they're not like hitting moments in the time these things are, are as i say they're myths and legends that are meant to um to provide us messages broad messages of morality not not specific things they are they an escape of course they are but these characters should have broad appeal that transcend the issues of the day and unfortunately that's kind of getting lost in the modern telling of 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 superheroes um batman was you know became throughout his time throughout his tenure as a character became a really great look at the psychology and the effects of trauma in one sense but in the other sense take the idea of taking something terrible that happens to you and using it for for something good and so you know there's two different ways you can begin to look at that character but again very broad stuff captain america is really interesting because captain america born out of i want to read something to you this is a reading from uh ideal ideals publishing captain america the secret story of marvel's star-spangled superhero this is a child's book and it's written on a child's reading level um and uh this was a book that was uh sold and it has a it reprints a few stories in here uh the captain america coming you know joining the avengers um back in avengers i think number four or whatever it is uh, there's a story from Tales of Suspense, number 81, I believe is where it is, where the Red Skull gets the Cosmic Cube. There's the retelling of Captain America's origin from uh, John Byrne, uh, uh, from a John Byrne version of this, The Living Legend. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Roger Stern wrote it, John Byrne drew it. And uh, it's just kind of a retelling of, of, his, of, his, uh, of his legend. Let me see where this... Um, if it, if it shows where it actually came from it does not but anyhow uh listen listen to what this says um captain america has been around for a long time he's vital today as he was during world war ii when he was first created but it was that particular era that truly shaped his destiny and it begins to talk about uh the cloud of war hanging over europe uh the nazi leader was adolf hitler he seemed to be unbeatable his war machine left terror and destruction in its wake hitler was more fearsome than any comic book villain imaginable the world was being turned upside down and Hitler's defeat seemed impossible. But Captain America changed that. A simple comic book character brought hope to millions of Americans. He gave hope to the young American men who went to war. He was the greatest. He was America. He gave freedom-loving people everywhere someone to look up to. Uh, thankfully, the Nazi menace was finally crushed and World War II did come to an end. Shortly afterward, Captain America disappeared for a while. Then came the early 1960s. Stan Lee was spearheading the Marvel Age of Comics, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, the Hulk, the Avengers... A new breed of superhero was taking the world by storm. Stan had been a great admirer of the early Captain America tales. In fact, the first story he ever sold when he was only 14 was, you guessed it, one about Captain America. Stan made a decision. It was time for Captain America to make a comeback. And what a welcome he received. And this is the opening of, of this book that tells about Captain America. He says he was America. And that's kind of the idea, is, is in those days, Captain America was patriotism. It was everything America was supposed to be. As time has rolled on, and quite frankly, America has changed, it's like, what do you do now with Captain America? And in this case, in many ways, he became what America is supposed to stand for. 
Um, he became a symbol for freedom, idealized. Civil War is probably the more prominent story that, not the movie, but the comic version, the more prominent story where we see Cap do this. He'd done it before. He, Captain America had turned his back on the government before and had the government turn its back on him. But Civil War was kind of the big one that, that everyone's going to know most. But it's, it's a big deal because he chooses to go against the government and stand for what he believes the government should be protecting and promoting, and that is freedom. And, 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 and so there's, there's something about the ideals of freedom and, the, and, and, and what is uh, the, the idea of independence in America that Cap stands for. But he also has this incredibly great moral compass where he recognizes there's also a way that we treat one another in this country. And there's a way that we're supposed to look out for one another. And he ends up being kind of that. So what, what am I saying? These modern day mythological figures, these superheroes, I think are going to be longer lasting than, you know, uh, some of the wet, so, you know, the, then the, then the, um, oh my gosh, the, the Bonanza crew, what were they? They weren't the Cartwrights, were they? Yeah, they were the Cartwrights. I think their, their, their societal impact is going to be longer lasting than the Cartwrights. But I also think we have to take care to understand that these are supposed to have a broad appeal. And the minute, regardless of a gender, a color, or, or anything that you say, well, this character needs is not a, going to appeal to everyone, then you miss the heart of what a superhero is all about. And so back to my original critique of the, of the She-Hulk series, I think that became a real glaring error in, in the She-Hulk series, is that uh, somewhere along the way to avoid criticism becomes this argument, well, it's not made for you. Well, She-Hulk should have broad appeal. Uh, not sex appeal, broad appeal. She should appeal to everyone, and the humor should be something that everyone can access and enjoy. Um, and and it just it wasn't. It needed to be punched up, and and the and I feel like the uh, the 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 show itself ended a little flat. So, um, can I give some examples of fans who are trying to change the genre? Uh, this is from the chat. Yeah, I sure. I I, I mean I I'm not not any one particular. I, I can't name names. But there is a contingency of fans and even creators that have decided that um, that that these that this genre needs to be used for this cause or that cause, and 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 they couch it in language that there's nothing wrong with what they desire. You know, that everyone could be involved. The problem is, is everyone was in, engaged. You know, everyone was into it everyone was it and then as happens i'm sorry the marvel universe the marvel cinematic universe in a lot of ways has become a parody of itself in these latter phases you know where where it seems like the writers and the creatives are trying to get cute with what they're doing with things and so rather than let this simply be uh, be a genre where we are telling modern day myths and adventures and that sort of thing it's become a thing of where um, it, it's, it's, it's become a thing where people are trying to inject their own personal ideology, ideologies and, and things into these, into these genres. And I just feel like, um, you know, that there, there are people who are call are, are causing more turmoil than, than good. And that's from, you know, and, and so I look, my thing is enjoy it, love it if you do, but if you don't, it's okay but if someone doesn't enjoy it and they do what I do here in, in this in the kind of space like this and they offer what they feel like is intelligent critique, 
You can't look back and say, well, it doesn't, it's not made for you. Well, then why not? You know, defend yourself. Why isn't this made for me? Why isn't this made for everyone? Aren't, isn't the goal to make money? You know, isn't this coming from a genre that was meant to be made for everyone? Um, it, it's just, it's, it's one of those unfortunate things. So yeah, they're, they're, and they're trying to turn, you know, they try to turn the superhero genre into, uh, other things. And there are ways to explore that. The werewolf by night special that is on Disney plus, I think is fantastic because werewolf by night was never necessarily a superhero, but it did a great job of incorporating things that trickle over into kind of your Dr. Strange part of the universe or these things. And to have the man thing show up, I thought was just absolutely great and fabulous. I thought it was funny the way they did it. It didn't feel like a parody of itself. It was a neat way of doing things. Michael Giacchino for our crying out loud directed that. And I thought he did a great job. I, I thought it was just really fun. So, um, so there's still some really good stuff doing there. I'm just wondering if, if maybe the superhero genre itself is starting to run its course a little bit and we're going to see it fade back into the background, the way the, I th I'm wondering if we're going to see it go the way of the Western. I, I really do. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. That That's kind of my thought process. And I'm wondering if that may be a good thing for the genre. Um, that, that, that it's able to kind of get a refresh and a reset and that sort of thing. One other thing I haven't mentioned, <clears throat> and we're going to go to break here. Um, uh, okay. Here's, here's the thing I want to, I want to address, I'm going to address this. Andy in the chat says it was that when it first started, it was coming from just one in the same perspective. And also it was hard to see someone like myself in the spectacular world. Um, here's the thing. I, this idea of seeing yourself, I've never seen myself in anything, uh, you know, I, because I was always the fat kid, but I also never was offended that I didn't see myself in anything. When I watched the Transformers, I didn't see myself in any of those characters on the show. I didn't see myself in Spike or Daniel or, um, or, uh, or, or spark plug. Uh, I, you know, I just loved watching them. I loved being an observer. I never saw myself in any of the He-Man characters. I didn't see myself in Orko or, 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 uh, or battle cat or cringer or Adam or He-Man or Mechanic or Manny faces. I just love the observation and watching those things. I just got a kick out of it. I really just enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching She-Ra. I didn't see myself in any of those characters back in the day, Princess of Power. I loved watching Hordak and the battles that went on, and I loved all the crossovers with He-Man. I didn't see myself in anybody in G.I. Joe, but I loved watching G.I. Joe. I never saw myself, and I think this this thing of seeing ourselves in something it, it has become a bit of a thing to... Uh, a bit of an empty criticism for a lot of people. Um, you know, look, it's fine. If, 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 if that's kind of, if that means something to you, that's great. But, but to me, it's like, it's not you. And, and I know, look, I know what you're going to say. Well, you're, of course you're a white dude. Everyone is a white dude in these things. It's great. But you can't, all I'm saying is, is if you go back and you watch Iron Man, the first Iron Man, I don't care what perspective it came from. That movie was successful not because it just came from one perspective. It was universally loved and 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 it was universally heralded. Same thing as you move forward into the Avengers. I, you I, I just can't I, I don't I'm sorry. I can't take this it wasn't made for me. It wasn't made for you. Can't 
those movies were readily devoured and people loved them. They made millions, billions of dollars and it's, and it's fine. It's great. It's wonderful. It's okay. But this thing of, you know, I, I think people assume that, that people just watch stuff and see themselves because there's someone of the same skin color. That's not how it goes. My wife enjoyed, um, Miss Marvel to an extent. She enjoyed, especially the part where they were actually going over into Pakistan and stuff because my wife spent a lot of time in the Middle East doing missionary work there and, and loved it and loves those people. And so that culture, you know, she found herself really engaged with watching and getting into. Um, for me, I'm just watching it thinking she's an inhuman. Why aren't they doing the inhuman thing? Why are they making this about, you know, all this other stuff? I think that that little character, Kamala Khan, I think that, that the greatest strength that she has is one that they have not played up well. I think that um, uh, uh, that that Kamala Khan, that her strength of character is that she is a superhero fan, and that and that when she receives the power, she knows how to be a superhero. You know, like no one has to coach her; she has to learn to use her powers. But no, one, the, the thing she needs coaching in is not like what Peter needed. Peter needed to be taught the responsibility. She just needs to be taught kind of the where to direct herself at because i think she's got i think she just i, I think that the potential of that character is wonderful and i think it's a waste of potential now how is the mcu becoming a parody of itself to see wider range of characters look like many of us that's not the parody it's becoming a parody of itself because it is too self-referential it's making fun of the, the the genre now rather than leaning into and being the genre now everything's got to be a comedy everything's got to be a joke everything's got to be this you look at thor I'm sorry, in Thor Love and Thunder, I don't mean to get worked up about this. Let me calm down. In Thor Love and Thunder, they made Thor an absolute joke and a shell of the person that he was. Thor went through a really a really interesting character arc from the beginning of his story in Thor until we saw him in Endgame and the trauma he went through and the stuff he dealt with and they made it a joke and they made him a joke. So when you get to Thor Love and Thunder, he's this he's this thing about um He's just, he's pitiful. And the reason is, now I'm going to say this, the reason that is is because we wanted to make Jane look so cool and so great. That's, I'm sorry, the the motivation for, for dumbing Thor down and making him look an idiot is to, is to make Jane look great. There is a great video that I think I, the person does a much better job than me of expressing, um, of expressing the viewpoint on this. Um, and it's called, it's really, it, it's, it's a very, you know, it's a clickbaity, it's a clickbaity title. Um, but it's by the username on YouTube is baggage claim. This was uploaded, uh, one month ago and in, in the, in the title is why phase four sucks. Why phase, why Marvel phase four sucks. Now there are a lot of different people out there, but this one is by baggage claim. And I don't, agree with everything she says, but I think she makes some very strong points. And so I want to, I'll point you in that direction. I think, it, I think she makes some very strong points. Anyhow, I don't like it when, when these things that were so good become parody of themselves because we think it's funny and we want to be cute. And I think that's what's been going on in the writer's room of some of these shows and other things. Um, but, uh, but anyhow, we got to take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll wrap things up. And, um, whoa, that was coming in hot. Uh, we'll wrap things up. We will, uh, I've got a couple other little things to talk about real quickly uh, when we come back. And we're going to jump in the hot tub. 
with Shaz Bazaar. So stick around. We'll be right back on Geek Out Loud. fellas are concerned about the beaches, you do whatever you have to to make them safe. Larry, the summer is over. You're the mayor of Shark City. These people think you want the beaches open. I, I was, I was, I was acting in the, in the town's best interest. That's right, you were acting in the town's best interest, and that's why you're going to do the right thing. That's why you're going to sign this, and we're going to pay that guy what he wants. This summer, a danger from below meets the savior of the night. You know me. We've been at war since before either of us even existed. You try killing my mother. You kill my father. You will not kill me. You'll come for the music. You're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll get the bad boat. But you'll stay for the adventure. Oh, boys. I think he's come back for his noon feeding. Evasive maneuvers now! Since the dawn of ice cream, we've been looking for the best way to enjoy our favorite frozen treat. From the creators of Sasquatch Stick and Silky Buddy comes a revolutionary way to enjoy your ice cream. The Big Honkin' Ice Cream Sandwich. 
sandwich. That's it's, one of my favorite treats in the world is an ice cream sandwich. It's just ice cream sandwich, and I was thinking all day I got to <laughs> have some ice cream. Just trying to get an ice cream sandwich that had fallen out back into the freezer. Oh, thank God, an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> I smushed it a little falling in. I totally understand going after an ice cream sandwich. The big honking ice cream sandwich could cause headaches, memory loss, delusions, or possibly concussions. Use only as directed. Coming soon to Netflix. Hello. One man will hold an entire town hostage. Who is this? To offset. Who is this? His expenses. If you want to support the shows, one of the best ways you can do it is by using Amazon uh, Shop <gasps> at geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com. I don't know what that means. You want to support the shows directly. I, I need you to tell me what to do. What should I do? You can do so through Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash GeekOutLoud. P-A-T-R-O-N.com slash GeekOutLoud. No! This fall, clear your cookies. Welcome back, Geek Out Loud. I gotta find those liners so it can have like Stan Bush saying, this is Stan Bush and listen Geek Out Loud. That kind of thing. Alright, moving forward really quick before we jump in the hot tub with Shaz Bazaar, I want to uh, mention a couple of things that have come out in the news. First and foremost, Harrison Ford, according to Slash Film, they, they say they've independently confirmed that Harrison Ford has been cast in the role of General Thunderbolt Ross 
uh, for the upcoming, I guess, Thunderbolts or other movies in the MCU, in, basically in the MCU. Look, do I think that's great casting? I do. I think it's wonderful. I think Harrison Ford is a is going to be an incredible asset to the MCU. I think that he is going to really follow in the wake of what William Hurt had done with the character of Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross very, very well. He can play gruff and grumpy because that is his nature. Uh, of course, it's not William Hurt anymore because William Hurt has passed away, as we know, and uh, and so he can no longer play the character of Thunderbolt Ross. I say to this, and I mean this with my whole heart, uh, Thunderbolt Ross being recast as Harrison Ford is fantastic. Now do Black Panther. I, I love Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. I really did, but I don't think that his death means that we should erase the character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think they should have done the hard work and the heartbreaking work of recasting that character. We can't let characters die because the actors who portrayed them die. That, that We just can't. I know that sounds heartless, but I'm just saying that, that you're cutting your legs out from under you in a lot of ways. So um, so that is, that, that's going to be really interesting. I, I'm looking forward to Harrison Ford and the MCU. And, uh, and I think that part of the reason he may have been willing to do this is because most of what's going to be going on with Ross may be CGI, uh, in the form of a Red Hulk situation. But, um, we'll, we'll have to talk about that at a later time. Uh, we don't really have a lot of, a lot of time to, to get into all of that because we've got to get into, uh, in, into the hot tub. Before we get into the hot tub, let me see if there's anything else I want to get to, um, oh, uh, well, no, we'll do that as we close up. Um, you know, everything else I got, we can do as we close up. So, uh, here is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our latest installment of Hot Tub Geek Machine featuring one Shaz Bazaar. Welcome to Hot Tub Geek Machine, the more relaxing side of Geek Out Loud. In the hot tub today is Shaz Bazaar, affectionately referred to as Shaz. Mr. Bazaar has a very special passion for geekdom. This shines forth in the following discussion as Shaz and I talk about the space pirate Hondo Inaka, cosplaying as said space pirate, and the enthusiasm for all kinds of movies and television shows that Shaz displayed during his time as co-host of the Techno Retro Dads podcast, alongside his good buddy, Jedi Schwa. Steve risks his phone to pull up Kenneth Johnson's IMDb credits, when in reality he should have been pulling up Glenn Larson's IMDb credits, which he eventually does. I don't know why I talked into third person there. It just seemed appropriate. And how southern did it sound when I said, there? This leads the guys to talk about some of the wonders of 80s television. Shaz can also be heard on Geek Out Loud Patreon exclusive Forceology course, as well as on the Big Honkin' Show and Geek Out Loud through guest appearances, parody songs, and being talked about. The, the parody songs. 
Shaz has written quite a few of them. Among them are Spice Spice Maybe, Hard Break, That's Right, Kitty Coon, and the ever-popular Flung Do Fighter, along with many others. Follow Shaz on social media at Shaz Bazaar with three Zs. Look for him lurking on the Goliverse Facebook page as well as in Chewy's Cantina. Tweet at him or tag him in a post. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Listen closely for my favorite part of the discussion as Shaz speaks highly of me. I'm always happy to have Shaz on any of the Goliverse shows, but I'm even more happy to call him my friend. And we all thank him for joining me in the Hot Tub Geek Machine. That was a rough one. I really messed up at one point, but maybe no one will notice. Oh, is this still on? Let's just get into it. Thought it was over. It's over now. So the first time we met was at Star Wars Celebration 5. Five. Five. Or, it was Orlando, I think. Yeah, because 4 was in L.A. It was definitely Orlando. Yeah, and I had been, I'd been down to, I'd been to Celebration 3 in Indianapolis a few years before. And my buddy that was a Star Wars friend of mine, we talked about going to L.A., but we just couldn't make it work. Um, and, and so, and by that time there, the force cast was happening. You had, you know, Jason and Jimmy Mack were rocking and rolling, doing their thing. And I went to celebration Orlando really for the sole purpose of my goal was to promote my podcast and get to know those guys. (laughs) Well, you had been on the podcast. Yeah, I, right. And I was weaseling my way into that whole thing. Now, in, what happened, what came out of that was there were a lot of people I met that week that were just, you know, become lifelong friends, you being one of those. Though it was still a delayed friendship for us, I think. Oh, yeah. Because... Yeah. Well, you were too big a deal. Well, I was... Small, small cheese. I wasn't that big of a deal. I just thought I was, I guess. <laughs> I thought you were. I had heard you on the podcast. You were the uh, junk drawer... Junk drawer cousin, cousin yeah. Instead of a tra- instead of a white trash cousin, the white junk drawer cousin. You know, everyone's got a junk drawer. You just never really go to it unless you just absolutely need something out of it. When I met you, you had you had one of your kids. I had all the the whole family was there that. But you time. had one of your kids cosplaying as an Ewok. Oh, that was the next time. Are you? Yeah, maybe it was. I thought yeah, that, that was the that was the second time when I was a little bit more comfortable with you. Okay, I, I honestly thought the first time there was the the Ewok meeting, but I guess not because when I see that picture, I'm not wearing a Geek Out Loud shirt. And the right. and the first celebration in Orlando, I was at every day. I was wearing a Geek Out Loud shirt. Yes, indeed. trying to be on brand. I, I guess I ask about the Ewok thing, or I bring up the Ewok thing because it would be a couple of years later when Hondo would show up at Celebration. Yeah, Hondo made his first appearance at uh, uh, Anaheim, yeah. actually. So here's the thing about that. You were the Hondo cosplayer. That is true. Like, there was there was no other Hondo walking the floor. That, that, uh, that was by design. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure, sure. But what, what, what came out of that was this great video 
of you throwing down on stage as Hondo. <laughs> Great video. Well, it's hilarious. It's awesome. It got me in trouble within minutes. With whom? Minutes. Uh, my wife calls me up. She said, you better watch out what people are posting on Facebook. I said, what? She said, there's a dan you dancing on stage on Facebook. I said, well, I didn't post it. She said, other people are, and you're linked. <laughs> <laughs> what are people going to think about you? What are people going to think? I would think. Crazy hundo. I would think that's awesome. Look at what he's doing. Um, but if only I, I've been paid. It's all about the profit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But anyhow, so, but now you maintain that you can't really throw down like that if you don't have the, if you don't have the hosti, uh, the hondo get up on. That's true. That's true. There's something amazing about being masked and in disguise that, uh, it, it, it just, it, it enables you to be someone else. Yeah. I, I intended to wear that one day, one day only. And went back to the hotel, and, and uh, Schwa and I are walking through the hotel, and everybody's talking about Hondo. And somebody said, I didn't get to see him. I want to see him. So I was like, I'll do it the next day. So I did it three days in a row because people were still wanting to see Hondo. And there was this one kid who was afraid. The parents came and talked to me. I saw him every day. He'd come up to me. And the parents would come up to me <laughs> that second day. They said, he, he's looking for you everywhere. He is scared of every other cosplayer here but he loves you wow so i was like well i gotta keep doing it for this kid you know it was a big deal to him yeah kids uh, are the greatest at celebration they, they yes, really are i do like seeing the kids at celebration it, it kind of puts a lot of it into perspective uh, did you ever consider doing the 501st or anything like that i mean because like suddenly i link you with because of the the detail you went into with your hondo costume because you had your kids dressed up as ewoks uh <laughs> I'm like this guy is is a costumer. He should be he should be doing this stuff. Um, I, I would like to, but I, the Hondo costume before it had a wardrobe malfunction at the second dance on stage. Sure. Um, it it wasn't up to snuff. There right. are still things I wanted to have done, and I like things to be just absolutely right. And uh, I was working really hard on. Ewok costumes for Schwa's girls mm -hmm. for uh, the Anaheim celebration. And uh, I got them done, and I was like, you know, here's my chance. Filoni's going to be there. Uh, do I delay? Because I said, I'm not going to another celebration till I go costumed, because the kids had such a good time there in 2010. Right. Or 2012, rather. And uh, I, I said, you know, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and say I'm going half-baked. So I made it look like Hondo, but not perfect. Mm -hmm. And I just had to accept less than perfect. That's tough for me, man. <laughs> that is tough for me. Wow. And that's so, we're so different because I'm like, I'm, I love good enough. Um, I do not. I will very, I'll very, that, I will listen. This whole podcast thing has been based on that's good enough. But you, you know, ne you never wanted to you never wanted to armor up or anything. Oh, like stormtrooper gear? Yeah. Number two reason for choosing Hondo. Um, I roomed with uh, Craig Batts mm -hmm. for uh, one of the fan days. Yeah. Was it for one of the fan days, or it might have been celebration? It might have been celebration 2012. Uh, that was probably when it was. And, and you know, I'm uh, we're sitting there, we're in the room, and and. I just suddenly it hit me what was not strange to me would be strange to everyone I knew so I took a picture of our room and 
and there's Jedi robes and, and there's stormtrooper, you know, helmet on the <laughs> right by the TV. I'm like, this is not average for most people. Right. To me, it's just another day. <laughs> but he couldn't sit down. Right. And I knew I wanted to, to go in, be costumed, and stay costumed. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to find something I could sit down in, I could relax in, I could move in and not be tired. I wanted to be able to eat in the costume. That's why I had a, a movable jaw. Uh, I wanted to be able to, to do everything. And I, I can't be hand solo because I'm not going to shave my beard. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't look like any of the face characters, but Hondo had not yet been realized in real life. Right. Yeah. So who knows yeah. how tall he is? Who knows what exactly he looks like? So I did the best I could do mm-hmm. with the time that I was allotted, and uh, and it worked. And I, and I tried to embody it uh, while I was perfecting the Ewoks over at uh, Schwa's house in Denver. I, I UPS them to Denver. Denver mm-hmm. landed there. He was in school. The kids were in school, and I was doing the finishing touches on them. And the whole time, I'm playing Hondo clips on his TV, so I can just you know get full hondo to up before getting to celebration because i mean if if you're going to cosplay you're going to go whole hog right i mean you should trooper you should have the before you talk and right right and hondo needs to talk like hondo and you have to have his mannerisms you have to be hondo i mean own it it's like last year we had a family here at church had uh a fall festival at their house and and nowhere on the invitation did it say costumes mm-hmm. but you know we're gonna go in costume so um my daughter the whole time is saying to jessica and me saying um it doesn't say costumes nobody's gonna be wearing costumes oh sure they'll be wearing costumes so we're on the drive over and i'm i'm elliot with uh, et in the basket of the bicycle yeah. <laughs> and she's gertie with the little geranium right and uh we're pulling in and and Ain't nobody in costumes. Mm. And Abby says, see, what are you going to do? I looked over at her. I said, we're going to own it. That's right. (laughs) Just walk out there and do it. You've made a decision. Live with it. That's right. (laughs) And and listen, and that's a good life lesson in a lot of ways, too. Absolutely. (laughs) You've made a decision. Live with it. (laughs) You you were like Stranger Things season two when the boys all go to school dressed as Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, when did when did everyone stop dressing up for Halloween? <laughs> that's that's how you guys ended up. That here's the thing though, like I in in my mind, I can see you in a in a stormtrooper outfit and it, it helmet off, just sitting there with that Shaz Bazaar grin, you know, just hanging out, taking pictures and everything. Like I see you as a helmetless stormtrooper, like. Well, I'm a little short to be a stormtrooper. Are you a little short for a stormtrooper? Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't, no, I don't think so. You're taller than me. I don't think so, Steve. What are the height specifications for a stormtrooper? I, I think they're right at six foot, aren't they? I don't. Does, does the 501st not allow short stormtroopers? Oh, they do. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm going back to 1977 <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Once again, my, my meticulous attention to detail strikes. <laughs> of course I'm not going to be a stormtrooper. I'm a little short for one. Come on. Yeah. Get it right. Get Which it is right. another problem with the hand solo issue. Well, you could be thracking South solo. I could be. I've got the gray now. Yeah, well, he had the beard, you know, so. And he had the beard. Mm-hmm. 
So now also, by the way, I need to, I need to put out at this point where we're a few minutes into talking and everything. And, um, I'm sure Scott Ripon will hear this and be like, all you did was talk to me about radio. Why didn't you talk to me about star Wars? I would have loved to have a Thrack and Sal solo conversation. <laughs> well, Scott would have picked up on the Thrack and Sal solo very early. Mm-hmm. Um, all of y'all who forgot that there were books, um, well, there was a guy. His name was Thrack and Sal. He didn't. He he's not survived the old legends purge, has he? He's no, he's he still he's still lost to time. How many people online know your real name? Few. Yeah. I didn't There's know. There's also it. a reason for that. Sure, sure. I didn't know it for a few years. Really? Yeah, because well, I've told you this before. When the RFR guys did Shot Glass Digital. Yep. Um, oh, that's right. The <laughs> the line at Twister. I'll never forget it. I'd see all these different emails come through, and it had your real name on. It. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, and and for some reason, I had the image of Sheldon Norton in my head. Um, cinnamon toast. Um, the cinnamon toast donut crunch. Cinnamon. Do you have any of the, the latest batch of cinnamon toast do you, donuts? Do you guys have the donuts cream? with the cinnamon crunch toast? The toast. Cinnamon. Anyway, um, the, but no, the the I, I was like, who is this person that I keep getting these emails from about this stuff? And then it would be a couple of years later. I'm like, oh, that was that was Shaz. And this whole time, I'm just figuring you know exactly who it is. No, uh-uh. I had no clue. Because, you know, we've met before, <laughs> and and I'm just you know doing oh. this stuff. And I was like, he seems kind of standoffish. I'm like, man, they've got a they've got a great technical crew here, but I don't know this guy, so I don't know how to communicate with him or anything. Yeah, J- Jimmy just texted me or something. He said, can you help Steve out with this? Um, I, you know, I am, I'm, I'm chaperoning a band trip to uh, Six Flags, not Six Flags, Universal Studios. Mm, mm-hmm. And there's only two chaperones and all these band kids. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing, and, and then I'm in the line for Twister with a bunch of the kids. And, and I'm getting this, I'm trying to do all this while I'm in the line for Twister. <laughs> I guess phones do have their place. But. I guess so. I'm sorry. And, but in those those crazy band kids because they need chaperones the band kids do uh they do and evidently i was too tight as a chaperone oh really the band director had to call me off oh because you were you were you were too hard on the kids Uh, yeah i mean um they got in the pool at the uh, hotel which in and of itself isn't all that bad but they weren't wearing much oh and I was like, oh, this is a school trip. And, and, and the paper said, no, 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 no. I know their dads. They'd be okay with this. I'm like, what kind of dads are these? <laughs> I mean, they were wearing less than underwear, basically. Wow. It was Ew. not much. Huh. Well, you know, th- this is a fully clothed hot tub where we're at. <laughs> well, I, can, I do try to be modest with my shirt on. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're in a fully, we're in a fully clothed. There is uh, no skinny dipping in the hot tub, which is the follow up to the classic no parking on the dance floor. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but no the 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 whole the whole thing was like it, 
I just look at our, I like, honestly, I look at our friendship as having begun circa 2016 when you stopped by Rome, Georgia, and, um, and we opened up Tron cards together. Was that 2016? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, we, we did that. And we, in a while, man. And we, we had talked, I, I was listening to you guys a lot on, um, on the Techno Retro Dads. How long did you do that show? Seven years. Seven years. Wow. And the last year was, was, you know, hit and miss because mm-hmm. COVID and stuff. Well, but that also, listen, your whole perfectionistic thing is what got in the way of that, too, for you, I think. You, okay, you, it took a lot more time than just recording the show. Yeah, you heavily edited that that thing. Yes, sir. So that was, that was, that was, there was a lot of work going on. But you guys had a number. And I remember one time I was like, I'm going to call and leave him a voicemail. <laughs> and you answered the phone. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know it was set up to ring my phone. You're like, hey, I man. I had no idea. You're not the only person that happened to. You're like, hey, man, what's going on? I'm like, I was calling to leave a voicemail for Techno Retro Dads. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I was playing volleyball somewhere, and my phone rings, and, and it was from, uh, I think it was Arvada, Colorado. Hmm. And uh, I answered it, and like, uh, I'm sorry, I think I have the wrong number. I said, who were you trying to call? Well, I was trying to leave a message for Techno Retro Dads. I said, well, you got Shaz. <laughs> Shaz Bazaar, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I wish there was a big honkin' show t-shirt. You there, know, like the one where you're eating the cereal. Yeah, there used to be, we had one when Buck and I did the show. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing about salt it. fries, and the last one of those in existence that I know of, my wife uses now. So, oh, wow. um, but that was a black shirt with like some gray writing on it and everything. We, I had a friend in South Georgia that was a, he did the the screen printing and everything, the silk screening and all. Oh, and, that's cool. And so, I would always kind of turn to him for for my needs. And he did a decent job, you know, and then um, I bet I could find, maybe I don't know if I could find those files or not to to put it back out on the, uh, on like a tea public or something. But That'd be great. Yeah. You need to do that. The old salt fries, especially with the many, many French fries stuff that came about. Many, many French fries. Many, many French fries. Um, but yeah, I was never good at merch at all. Never throughout this whole process have I been good at merch. Um, I'm... I don't know. I don't know that I'm good at anything until I turn a mic on and just start talking. It's so so. You're good at it. So and, from and you market yourself well. Well, I used to. I don't do that so much anymore. No, but you did. <clears throat> oh yeah, like it was. I was going to plug myself wherever I could, wherever I could. <laughs> you were going to hear these words: the Geek Out Loud podcast, the official podcast of GeekOutOnline.com. You were going to hear that wherever <laughs> wherever I showed up. You know, you, you might hear something, you know, other shows on Geek Out Loud. Right. At the end of this podcast, like <laughs> the big honking show. The subsidiaries, the Geek Out Loud and its subsidiaries, <laughs> the, the including but not limited to the big honking yeah. show. That's a great end. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I was like, I don't really have any more subsidiaries these days. <laughs> hey, hey, man, life gets in the way. You, you pass 45 and... All things it's, fall to pieces. It's crazy. It, it, it's really, really crazy because you start something and there's no end in sight. 
Right. You know, especially when you start something like Geek Out Loud and a year into it, not even a year into it, you know, the MCU's cranking up with Iron Man. I know. Timing, man. You were in the perfect spot. And you're just and you and you just think that whole time you're like this this ride is going to last forever. And if I can get the right set of circumstances and the timing just right, this may be what I'm able to do with my with my life. And and then you realize, nope, not me. Not I can't. Uh, this is not going to be what happens. And yeah, it implodes upon itself. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I love how you do your mom's voice because now that I've met your mom, yeah, I I, I can see her saying that. I can see those words coming out of yeah, her mouth. Yeah, you that's... really emulate your mom with your voice really well. Well, you embody her entire character. Well, with that. well, Shaz, I, I I grew up being a big fan of her, so you know. <laughs> you... You, you emulate what you know, I guess, buddy. So, <laughs> like you with Hondo. Yes. Just to bring yes. it all, just to bring it, just to bring it all back around as we get up out of the tub and head home. <laughs> so, Full circle. That's well, a long drive home. It's a long drive home. There you go. <laughs> This has been Hot Tub Geek Machine, a production of Geek Out Loud and its subsidiaries, which include, again, but are not Shaz limited Bazaar, to, uh, always good having him the Big on, and uh, what you just heard is a very uh, shortened Thank version you for joining of us. our conversation and in the And we'll hot see tub. you next time uh, we in the hot tub. Talk, we talked about Battlestar. We got, I got confused with Glenn Larson and Kenneth Johnson and what they did in, in TV. Uh, we talk about that. Um, the whole, uh, the whole thing about my mom, the reason that my mother gets brought into it, that you're going, that's going to be cleared up for you. Uh, Shaz just doesn't, I, look, I'm going to pull the curtain back. Shaz just doesn't out of the blue say, you really sound like your mom when you do your impersonation of her. Um, but it is a great conversation. It was a great time. And, uh, and so I hope that you'll check that out. Uh, the full thing out over at patreon.com slash geek out loud. Uh, before we go, um, I want to mention there are no emails to which I could reply, so we couldn't do an email segment today. That's why I ended up going off so long on the She-Hulk. I'd rather hear what you guys have to say and, and talk to you. So geekoutonline at gmail.com. I have a question. I, I sent this to Shaz and Scott. I sent a picture to them to kind of ask what their opinions are I should do. I have uh, some comics um, that are severely, severely messed up. And uh, they're Star Wars number one, Star Wars number two, two and i think that's it those two really are the are the ones um they, they're just rip covers they're not but here's the thing i don't want to throw them away the reason i don't want to throw them away is because these are comics i procured from uh my late brother and i just think it's neat to have them but i'd like to find a way to display them i don't want to just stick them in a box and um and uh you know, in, in some way, because they're not worth preserving necessarily the way you would a comic. They're, they're very much, they're, I mean, they're in terrible, terrible shape. So any of you crafty folks out there that might have an idea of how best to, to look at these things and, you know, hit me up on Twitter or not, not Twitter, hit me up at geekoutonline at gmail.com. I can send pictures to kind of help guide your idea if you'd like to, but uh, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. 
Um, oh, real quickly to what I said, Brian Kent in the chat says, don't think there will be a replacement for T'Challa, but there will be a new Black Panther, I'm sure. I'm sure, too. I get that. I understand that Black Panther is a mantle that gets passed along, but I don't, I don't think you should kill off T'Challa because the actor that played T'Challa died. I think that what you're doing is you're taking a great role away from a great, from, from actors who would love to jump at the chance and could do a really good job of that character. Would they be compared to Chadwick Boseman? Yes, of course they would. It's like passing the Bond uh, baton from, from actor to actor. But just because they're going to be compared and they might face a little criticism early on doesn't mean that we should not give actors a chance. For all the talk of needing more uh, more people of color in high-profile in, in high roles, why take one great high-profile role away from, off the table to, to be cast? That's just my, that's my uh, opinion. Also, it's a great character that I feel like... Look, he was only... Mm, you had Black Panther. You had the one movie. He was in Civil War throughout. He was in Civil War, Black Panther. Then he was in Infinity War, and he was barely in Endgame. So here's a guy, and he wasn't in all of Infinity War. So here's a here's a character that played a prominent role in, in two movies and a supporting role in one movie and then a, a glorified cameo in, in, in a fourth movie. You can wreak as great as he did, and I know that, the, that his performance is iconic and it's something to be heralded. But man, you've got to, I just feel like that character still needs to be around. Um, but anyhow, uh, that, that's just my response to what Brian had to say. Brian Kent also sent an email we'll have to get into next time because we're, it, I mean, it requires me to do some setup with Terminator stuff and everything. Anyway, um, the, uh, the, the, so that's the, let's see, that's the, the, the comic deal. Any toy stuff? No, we talked pretty much about that last time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's. I guess we're going to wrap it up, everyone. Did I? How'd I do this time? Let's see. With the hot tub geek machine, yeah, we're still at. We're still going to be clogging it well over two and a half hours. <laughs> so, if you don't like long ones, you gotta you gotta send me the email and let me know. No one has voted against him yet. Um, but that, that's how, how we'll do. So before we go, just want to remind you really quickly, get in on the collagen thing. If, you, if you're if you like me and you need uh, a little bit of a pep to your step, a little bit of loosening up of the joints, I will say this, that there are some supplements my wife has made me take, I'll say make me take, that we ran out. And after a few days of running out, I recognized, I realized that my back and hip were starting to hurt. But I stand up, uh, you know, to speak a lot. And so I realized that my back and hip were starting to hurt again the way they had been a lot quicker uh, than they were when I was on those supplements. So, um, so there, so, and, and a lot of the people I talk to say, I feel better and I know it's helping me, but I can't really put my finger on telling you how. And so, but they go back for more, they've reordered and go back for more. So it really is a unique kind of neat thing. So check it out. She is H A Y L E Y G L O S S O N on Instagram. That's going to be a good way to get in touch with her and reach out and see, uh, what can what what you might be interested in with the collagen thing? Uh, don't forget patreon.com slash geek out loud. Don't forget the Amazon links as we uh, are uh, as the commercial said, working to cover our expenses. I would love to hear from you. Geek out online at gmail.com. I thank you for listening for downloading. Uh, leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you know, honestly, the inconsistency of Geek Out Loud put Geek Out Loud behind the eight ball. 
Scott Rifen said on his Hot Tub Geek Machine, you know, he used to see where Geek Out Loud was consistently up there on the front page and that sort of thing. Let's get back there. And that requires you, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson, and we'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. <laughs>